Ah, and one more thing. You must find the jade monkey before the next full moon. Uh, sir, we found the jade monkey. It's in your glove compartment of your car. And the roadmaps and ice scraper, they were all there too, sir. Excellent. Excellent. It's all <laughs> falling into place. <laughs> <laughs> Joining me is the most important member of RPG Fan, the stalwart John Tucker. Well, I don't know if I'd go that far, but hey, this is John Tucker, Tucker on the boards. Tucker on the boards is a man I look up to because he does a little bit of everything and I try to do a little bit of everything. You, I feel like you are helping me with everything all of the time. Well, I, I definitely try, so thank you. And that is why we had to make sure we got you in here with your picks, because you picked from games that nobody else has picked from. Uh, yeah. You added a lot of diversity to it. And I've, I've actually listened to all of your tracks, particularly, well, I don't want to spoil them. I'll let you go first. We'll, we'll talk about them <laughs> once we actually get to them. But uh, let's keep this thing moving briskly. Yep. So, what have you started uh, with? Yeah, so as you say, I, I end up generally not playing the AAA titles. I end up playing... Uh, sort of off the beaten path stuff, just not, not because I don't like AAA titles, just because that's the way it seems to work out. Um, and so uh, the first couple tracks that I picked are the main theme from a, uh, an adventure game, a point and click game called Bic, and a, a song called Freedom Blues from the Journey Down Chapter 2, which is also a point and click, actually. Uh, they're pretty different from each other, but I, I really like them both. Yes, and see, this is another reason I, I got you on here, too, because you represent the point-and-click adventure games for me, and I appreciate that. <laughs> so, before we talk any further, let's go ahead and take a listen to the big main theme and Freedom Blues from The Journey Down, Chapter 2.
So it's funny, we were talking before, and I was like, yeah, when I reviewed the big soundtrack, and I realized that I reviewed this soundtrack probably six months ago and still haven't posted it because I am an awful person. But, <laughs> I, you know, it's it's this really interesting soundtrack because it's sort of minimalist. I, You know, I wouldn't say it's not technically sound or anything like that. It's it's sort of an album where, like, one song kind of flows into the next, and the synth really reminds me of, like, old Genesis games in terms of how it fills the audio space and like it makes me think of like weird 1990s visions of the future yeah. uh, and that song is absolutely uh in keeping with that tone to me the main theme yeah yeah it's um i think i mentioned in my review of the game the music was actually written first and the composer wanted to kind of make something to use as a a way for people to to get the music and interact with it and stuff and they started making this game and then you know basically they ended up just making a cool little game um but it's it's point really is to show off that crazy electronic uh synthy stuff and and like you said it does kind of lead you back to sort of a retro future but uh not maybe as retro as uh, some of the retro future stuff that you uh, see in here I don't I don't know that I would say like every single track on that album is, you know, solid gold, but I definitely like a lot more tracks than I than I don't like. And uh, like you say, that one is is pretty representative of it. It's uh, it's definitely worth listening to. And I I think you can get like the game and the soundtrack both for, I don't know, very cheap. I, I don't want to say numbers because I don't remember. Low numbers, low numbers, low numbers. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting too that I, I I remember you saying that that they created a game around the audio. That's that seems like it's uncommon to me. You know, like there's like cases where like Daft Punk made their album and then you know they made uh, Interstellar to go with it, and so this is sort of like the video game equivalent of that. Um, which for me is interesting because you know I prioritize the music so much in games. Like that to have an experience that is sort of built to showcase it is cool. Yeah. And I think this is sort of I, I would I wouldn't say it's a concept album, but I guess it sort of is in by yeah. definition. But you know, it's sort of like it really reminds me of like how I felt when I played like the old Sega Genesis flashback or another world. Like it just has this sort of I hate to keep using the word spacey, but it's it's it feels displacing to me, but not mm-hmm. like not not disquieting. That, that I think that's absolutely valid. And then yeah, I think they they would agree with you since they uh, they made uh, their their game space themed. Yes. So, <laughs> um, so the the other track um, was uh, was from the journey down. It's a point and click adventure. The first chapter came out, and then I, I really enjoyed it. And then like nothing uh, for eighteen months, and then oh, out of nowhere, <laughs> out of nowhere, bam, chapter two, and part of. Part of the delay actually was related to the music. Um, the uh, the guy who was the composer, a guy named Simon, actually uh, passed away between the uh, the two chapters. Oh, that's uh, a shame. I I, yeah. I was looking at the soundtrack page and I noticed that they had it dedicated to someone named Simon. That's a bummer. Yeah, he was the composer, and I guess he had I think he had maybe written all of the music uh, for chapter two, but they hadn't you know recorded it or anything and. Um, he was uh, part of this band called Straight No Chaser, which is, if you've heard of Straight No Chaser here in the United States, it's probably not the same one. There's an acapella group. <laughs> uh, 
um, here. They're a UK-based big band, and um, they uh, performed the song that we just listened to. But yeah, so anyway, that was part of, of the delay in getting things out. And, and so, as you say, they uh, dedicated the uh, second chapter of the game to him. But uh, I think, you know, I mean, he did a really nice job on the music, both uh, in the first and the second chapters, and, and they do a great job of performing it. It's a, a really representative piece of the setting of the game, which has that sort of jazzy uh, prohibition era kind of feel to it. Sneaking some basement gin away from the, uh, the fuzz type vibe. Exactly, exactly. Even though... Like the art style is is African masks and things like that. Somehow they they like make it all fit together, and it's uh, they're it's a really creative effort in a lot of different ways. And I I love the that they managed to make that all work. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I was laughing because I listen to this song and I just think of the Enchantment Under the Sea dance and Back to the Future. Yeah. It's, it's that same style, you know, like rounded cars from the fifties and. You know, people hanging out in classy suits at a at a high school dance. Not that this is necessarily high school type music, but I I just get such a a fifties vibe from it. Well, I mean that that's I mean that the the cars in the game are those kind of roundedy. Not that there are a lot of cars in the game. You like take a taxi a couple times, but um, uh, but yeah, definitely. And the uh, the music. One of the things that I like about uh, point and click sometimes is that. The music is designed to go on a little longer than um, it is in some other games. Like if yeah. you get like a, a turn-based uh, RPG where you got a battle music that they're expecting to only last for like thirty seconds, and then you listen to that looped over and over again, <laughs> it really kind of it can sometimes take away from it. But uh, music in a point-and-click is generally designed to to be in your ears longer per track. Uh, they don't have to hurry because you're going to be walking around the screen figuring things out. Poking around. And yeah, no, that's a, that's a good assessment too. Um, a lot of uh, early King's Quest music, especially um, not Chad Sater, uh, the, the composer of King's Quest V in particular, a lot of the tracks in that, they're, they're for the time, they're long loops because they're MIDI loops, but they're about two minutes long, which sure. is impressive for then. Yeah. it's That's sort of a good observation too because if you look at, a lot of Telltale scores, their music is, if it gets a soundtrack release at all, is usually a very long set of tracks that have cues that are sort of based on the environment. So it's it's it is very different from you know your your JRPG or even a lot of Western RPGs, uh, you know where you have a, a one two three minute loop on a song and it's meant to be like the I feel like it's the forefront of the experience. Not that you know your point and clicks don't make it at the forefront. But a lot of times I feel like they're sort of more meant to put you in the in a mood. Like I think of the first example is Robert Holmes' score for Grey Matter, um, which is a beautiful score. But all of it is very much in the this music is accentuating what you are doing on the screen rather than taking your attention from it. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I think you – well, I mean even uh, when you have a, a score – for uh, you know, an action kind of game or or a turn-based game that's supposed to be exciting, even though, you know, turn-based, you can take as long as you want to make your choice for your turn. Um, it, it is sort of trying to draw out a different mood from you in general than 
the mood that you're supposed to get from a point and click adventure game. And you, aside from like uh, The Walking Dead or something like that, you rarely have a time crunch in those kind of games. Yeah. So the music isn't really trying to bring out that excitement and adrenaline in you. Because, <laughs> you know. You can walk around that burning train for an hour and a half. Well, you just you're making sure everything looks good. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. It's all fine. Everything's cool. So it's good. Yeah. Speaking of Japanese games, uh, your last two tracks um, they're both from the same game because you mentioned that one of them is a little bit brief. But I I wanted to get both of them on here because I've actually had some people request this game, and I've listened to the soundtrack, and it's a really interesting soundtrack for a game that until you wrote about it i didn't know anything about yeah yeah so we uh the tears to tiara 2 which if, if you haven't heard about it, we'll, we'll talk about it a little more after the songs but uh as you say one of these tracks is is fairly brief um it's the uh song called the goddess lullaby and then uh also got the tears to tiara victory song um which is the a uh, little bit longer track they're they're distinct enough you'll be able to tell the difference between the two well, excellent. Well, in that case, let's go ahead and take a listen to the Goddess Lullaby and the Victory Song. <laughs> Oh, 
You know, that game is is sort of an enigma to me, even now, but I do like the soundtrack quite a bit. Mike and I actually were listening to it and discussing it a bit before, but to talk about the first track a little bit, you had mentioned that there was a different version in the game from the version we're listening to, or vice versa? Or... Yeah, there's actually two versions uh, in the game, and the one that you hear more is the other version. <laughs> it, it makes sense in, in context of the game, but it, it would be a a spoiler of the kind that wouldn't even make sense uh, to explain <laughs> more. <laughs> but this is the version that I like better of the two. Uh, the music is the same. It's just a different, uh, just a different singing voice. Um, it's a, uh, yeah, the Tears to Terror 2 is an interesting uh, game in that, like, it's, it's, it's sort of like Troll and Troll 2, the movies. As far as I can <laughs> tell, they don't, they don't necessarily have anything to do with each other. Just somebody saw a name that was cool, I guess, and slapped a two on it. And the first game is like a hentai kind of game. The second game, not even kind of. So I, I don't know why the, the connection there, but... Not um, even kind of in that it's wholly unrelated or... it's it, Yeah, it's, it's unrelated to the first game and it's not, there's no like hentai elements to it at all. It, they wouldn't even make sense. Um, huh. Yeah, so um, I, I don't know why they uh, why they tried to call it a sequel, um, but uh, for, for the name recognition of a name that uh, I mean I, I say this maybe <laughs> as a heathen to the audience, but uh, name recognition of a name that I don't recognize. Yeah, I don't uh, I don't know if the first game was I'm pretty sure the first game didn't make it here uh, to the United States, but uh, I don't know if it was popular in Japan at all. I don't get the feeling that it was mm. um but in any case it's a it's a an unusual game also in that um i went into it expecting sort of a turn-based strategy experience and it's really more of a visual novel that happens to have some turn-based strategy in it like this guy kind you know where you have like a team and everything and, and so that maybe you know tainted my view of playing the game the expectations but, were different than what you got yeah, but uh, the story is great and uh, the music is great and you know, like lots of things about it are good. Uh, you just have to go into it, I think, expecting uh, the right thing in order to uh, really appreciate it. 
on the lullaby track that we listened to, uh, it gets played a few times uh, during the game when kind of generally when, when kind of stressful things have been going on and one of the characters is kind of just trying to help one of the other ones collect his thoughts and say, hey, you know what, it's all going to be okay and, you know, chill out and, and we'll come back at this thing in the morning. Everything is going to be all right to the moon style. <laughs> yes. Um, and so I, I, I like that. And I, I like, you know, I like the feeling that goes with it in the game, but I also think that it, it stamps up pretty well on its own merits. Absolutely. It's sort of, you know, again, not to be too on the nose, but it, it sort of reminds me of like lullaby tracks and a lot of other RPGs. And I have like Zelda's lullaby and that's the only one coming to my head immediately. But you know, you have that sort of soft um, female vocals of like a, a, a high voice. Um, it's soothing, you know. That's, that's yeah. I think that's a good way to put it. Yep, that's that's exactly what it's going for, and it uh, it's it hits what it's going for. So, kudos. <laughs> um, the other song is uh, the Tears to Tiara Victory song. I don't really have you know the, anything uh, you know special connection with a, a part of the game. Uh, with that particular track, it's more like the end credits kind of thing, uh, but it, you know, it doesn't spoil anything. I did find it surprising that it was in English because nothing else in the game is. So it does remind me of an anime like ending credits theme. Yeah. Which, I mean, I guess that's sort of the tone of the game too, so. Yeah, it is. And, and actually, I feel like it might have actually been better if they had just removed the uh, the fighting part and just had it be like a big visual novel that you could you know, experience in that way, maybe, you know, if it were, it would fit very well as, uh, you know, as an anime experience. And it does seem sort of odd that they would have this sort of lip servicey combat system in a game that from what you explained is very not focused on it too. No. And like the first eight hours of the game, there's like two fights. Are the, is the music during the fights? Is it particularly good? Is it? It is. I, I don't, I don't remember it particularly standing out to me one way or the other. It has been a little while since I played it at this point. Um, I went back and sort of listened to a number of the tracks when I was trying to pick um, things for uh, for this show. But the battle theme doesn't particularly uh, stick out in my head as memorable. Uh, I just remember that in general, the music is good. I gave it like an 85 in my review for uh, sound. Mm-hmm. Which it had, it had good voice acting as well, as far as I could tell. I mean, I don't, I don't speak Japanese, and it was all in Japanese. But yeah, <laughs> sorry, I can't give you a better no, answer. No, that. <laughs> that's totally fine. You know, it's this is. I mean, again, this is sort of uncharted territory for me. So I, I, I was, if it seemed as if I was asking more probing questions on it, it's only because I wanted to get a better feel for how someone who played the game thought about this music. Because you know, there are lots of cases where you know you hear music outside of the game, and it won't necessarily have the same impact until you hear it in the game. Uh, the best example I can give is another visual novel, 999. Uh, I heard the soundtrack to 999 long before I played the game and sort of didn't have any major thoughts on it. And then once I played the game, I suddenly was like, oh my gosh, I love this music. It suits the atmosphere so well. So I was curious yeah. if this is something similar. But in any case, you clearly have curated the best of the tracks for us. So you did, our work, you did my work for me. <laughs> well, I try to help. Well, you have helped indeed. And you, my friend, are the final RPG fan editor to offer your picks on Music of the Year. So I'm going to get out like a party hat and a little, little, 
Oh, yeah. Or I was going to yeah. do like the two major league gaming and do like an air horn and be like, burr, 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 burr. well, I'm, I'm glad that I got that I got to participate. Uh, oh, most definitely. You have you have featured with us every year, so we couldn't leave you out this year. So, ladies and gentlemen, that is the RPG Fan Editor's Music of the Year picks. How exciting and fun. The last thing we have, it feels like this has been a very long journey, both literally and probably duration-wise, by the time you actually listen to this. So stay tuned and keep listening. And Tukersan, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me.
We are back for the second to last segment of Music of the Year. Tonight, it's just us boring regular people. Yeah, sorry we couldn't be more interesting. Yes, it's no special guests. It's just myself, Stephen, Caitlin, and our co-co-host, Michael. He's Michael. crazy for co-co-hosts. 
That quip by special request from our own RPG fan staff. Someone actually asked that we make that joke. I'm oh, good. I'm glad. I'm glad you remembered that. Good. Good. I'm really glad too. Yeah. So our favorite editor John Tucker was going to join us tonight, but uh, it's his birthday. So everybody, by the time this is out, it'll be long past his birthday. But happy early, but technically late birthday. And we'll see if we can get him on the show later because he had some really interesting picks. But in the meantime, it's time for us to do ours. We, <laughs> I feel like we started this literally three months ago. Mm-hmm. So That's it's it's. It's crazy that we are finally doing our picks. <laughs> I know. That's why I said literally. Well, you know, we saved the best for last, obviously. That's true. Even though technically the last is going to be audience choice. However, you know. Okay. So we saved the we best. We saved the last. best, the objective best for second to last and the subjective best <laughs> for last. I'm already confused. Okay. In that case, let's just go ahead and start listening to our tracks, right? Yes, right. let's. All right, well, I picked the first one in our first block. This is, I wanted to use it since the album came out. Uh, it's easily my album of last year. It's uh, Project Study Light. It's the arranged album of Kingdom Hearts music. And it's just, you know, I wrote a zillion words in my review. It's the best arrangement of Kingdom Hearts music I've ever heard. One of the best arrangements, period. It comes from a really true understanding of the narrative of that series. Silly though it may be, this is music that is sort of informed by the plot so you know where relevant different phrases of songs from you know one character's theme song are worked into this battle theme if it's appropriate or you know they'll use like a, the lilo and stitch theme with the beauty and the beast castle theme you know it's, it's a lot of really cool stuff like that but the one i picked is working together and that's the battle theme for uh, twilight town after the roxas sequence and there's some other songs worked in there but we'll talk about it after and then i believe mike you had the second track yeah i chose a song well, it's from Secret of Mana, although this is a cover by the Lonely Rolling Stars, which I kind of fell in love with them at my first MAGFest. And this is the cover of, uh, oh shoot, what's the original? I'm like totally spacing. Uh, Leave Time for Love. Their version is called Give Time Its Proper Love. And it's kind of a kind of a rocky rendition of the original track. From which game? From Secret of Mana. Okay, I'm sorry. It's the final dungeon song. Okay. Oh, cool. So, because I I didn't recognize it, and I was curious, because I remember the only time I heard it was at that time we were driving back from Agfest in the car. So. Oh, right. And then Caitlin. So I picked a track from Dragon Age Inquisition, like half of our staff did, and most Um, of our guests. mm Mm-hmm. Because it's awesome. This track doesn't have an official name because it wasn't released on the official soundtrack, but it's one of the battle themes that plays during the In Your Heart Shall Burn mission, which is sort of like the the mid-mission where the big bad shows himself and you kind of realize what's going on and crazy and stuff is happening. And amazing music plays. Mm-hmm. Which is why we're playing this. Well, all right then, let's go ahead and take a listen to Working Together, Give Time Its Proper Love, and a track from Dragon Age Inquisition.
So I've talked to death about Project Estadi and everything that I really, really love about it, which is everything. The, the, the Basically, the only weak point of that album is the fact that the percussion is just not, it doesn't hit hard enough in any of the songs. Um, it's not quite as noticeable in this song, uh, which is good. But Caitlin and I were talking while we were listening, and this is easily my favorite track on the album. I've always seen this song as the Sora Donald Goofy theme. Like, this is the first time they're back, they're together, you're climbing the mysterious tower, just wrecking Heartless, and, like, it's the first time you're playing Cage 2. And, you know, Roxas fights a lot like Sora from Kingdom Hearts 1. So, like, you you are Sora, who now suddenly has this faster movement, even though he's not as crazy as he's at the end of 2. But he's different from 1, and it's, like, the beginning of this awesome bromantic journey with Donald Duck and Goofy. <laughs> and this song in particular, A, it just really captures the joy of that moment to me. And I love the different takes. There's like it, it's sort of like three movements in this song of the theme. You know, there's the the initial version, there's the sort of more understated version, then there's the dramatic version that sort of traces Sora's evolution as a character. You know, he gets more dramatic and derpier, but and, you know, the, the original pieces are worked in as if they always belong there. You know, there's the solo at 217 that I love. And then around three minutes is just this original material that sounds so good and so in keeping with the tone of the song. I just love it. Yeah, one of the things that they do so well throughout the entire album, but especially in this track, is how they weave different themes from the game and original pieces together and make it feel like it's totally natural and was designed to be place like that and I love how that works because I feel like this is an album that you could play for people even if they haven't ever played Kingdom Hearts or even if they don't listen to video game music and they could find something that they like and this track in particular is a really good showcase of that. I agree. Good song. <laughs> so Mike All agrees right. too. That's what he says. Yes. Well, you know, when it comes to Kingdom Hearts, everything Steven says, it's so he covers everything like I have nothing left to say that besides good song. Besides I like thing. I like thing. Music no, it's good. Like I wrote a really detailed review of this album, more more detailed than I would normally go, mostly because again, I really tried to reflect the fact that this album just could not have been made by people who were like, "Hey, I haven't played this game, but I'm going to cover the song." Like and, I mean, you could tell from talking on Twitter that uh, many of the folks involved in Project to Study are huge fans of the series. So, you know, there's an understanding of the heart that underlies a lot of the themes that allows yeah. them to arrange them in a really expert way. Right. It's not just some kind of like heartless arrangement. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah, it's not arranged by some nobodies or anything. These are, these are real real people. Right. But yeah. um, tish. So, anyways. Anyway. We should, we should give time as proper love. That was good. I think that was a good segue. I don't know. We ruined it. <laughs> you, you, you drew attention to it. You know, Lonely Rolling Stars are awesome live, though. I've seen them twice at MAGFest, and both times they are just a great show. felt like I was back at MAGFest listening to this. Like, I could, I was back in front of the stage. My ears are about to fall off because it's so loud, but it's awesome, and I can't help but dance. And there's a giant human katamari. I do like when that happens. Yes. And beach balls being thrown around. Oh, yeah, that too. I actually have a picture of us dancing at MAGFest. I took it because I I, I, I didn't think Caitlin was a dancer, but I got the picture just to be sure. No, no, well, now you have proof that I'm not a dancer because <laughs> I suck. Oh, that's oh, okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> let's not get into my dancing abilities. Alcohol <laughs> helps that a lot. 
What he uh, means I, to say is he got blackmail. Well, he got blackmail. I mean, I love the chippy sounds in this song. <laughs> no, like, you know, they do a really great job of sort of, you know, that sort of Super Nintendo musical innocence vibe that they have going on. You know, you have like, you know, your you, you rock band pieces, but there is that sort of chippy thing in the background that's really sort of tying it to like this. I don't know. I just I just get a like an airy sort of a happy vibe from the from their work, you know, because rock music tends to have, you know, a certain quality to it. And certainly these guys do rock. But I think. I can't find the right word for it. I don't want to say innocence, but it's just there's there's a nostalgic to it. Their, their stuff sounds really nostalgic. And I like happy, that. It's happy rock. Yeah, it's happy rock like Nickelback. <laughs> no, no, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just joshing. No, I'm not going to yeah, get in the Nick. I'm not going to get in the Nickelback hate train, but I, I am just joking in that reference. OK, you're going to get an email now, you know, from someone. I have no problem from, with Nickelback. From some Canadian that's like, hey. Hey, I have no problem with Nickelback. <laughs> and no problems with Canadians. They make a lot of people happy. Yeah, so that's one of my favorite songs in the game, actually. It reminds me of Magfest. <laughs> I can dig that. I have that sort of same, like, brain connection to it. You know what? I also have a brain connection to this track from Dragon Age. Uh, I, you know, I've said a couple times throughout the Music of the Year stuff, and it's hard to remember everything I've said, because, again, we've been recording for months. That's what happens when you get 18 people. But, uh... I said that I found a lot of the themes forgettable except for the main one. And I take that back because I remember this song perfectly because I remember I stuck around in the mission longer so I could hear it, hear it more. Yes. Uh, this is yes. just, you know, th they really, really do a great job of sort of playing around with and working on a theme in Dragon Age Inquisition. Because again, there's so much of the game that's just sort of ambiance or you're exploring. You know, there's nothing at the moment tied into the narrative that's happening. But when there is narrative stuff happening, there is a lot of thematic cohesion in terms of the visuals and the music and the gameplay and, you know, the dialogue and stuff. And, you know, I remember this because this song plays in a few different versions throughout that mission, which was probably the first story mission that was really, really awesome. Yeah. So this is, like I said, when the big bad finally reveals itself and you get attacked and it's not a battle you can win. And your, your mission is really just to find a way to help people escape and hope that you can survive long enough to do that and this plays during the portion where you've you've basically realized you have to sacrifice yourself potentially to allow the rest of the inquisition to survive and this sense that you get from the music of that sort of desperation but determination to try and save everyone i think and rotating catapults rotating, yeah and then getting interrupted by bad guys like five times. I, was, I, I played on Nightmare, whatever the highest difficulty was, and that was the first battle in the game that made me angry. Because it was like, <laughs> more enemies spawn the further you turn the catapult. So like, I'd be sitting there hearing this awesome song, and I would turn the catapult, and then all of a sudden there'd be 90 guys around me, and I would die. I was having to like turn the catapult just a teeny bit, wait for an enemy spawn, kill it, then turn it a little bit more, and then, then finally I just <laughs> got really angry and just hulked all of them to death. It was awesome. <laughs> I see what you did there. Mm. You wouldn't like him when he's angry. You get it? Yeah. I'm, I'm so excited for the Avengers. Oh, really? No, I couldn't tell. Mm -hmm. Great music in that trailer, too. I think we need a new podcast, then. We need a Marvel music podcast. No, I'll just find some way to work it into this. Or they'll make a Seeing Marvel Seeing the Avengers RPG. was allowed me to roleplay 
the experience of a moviegoer at a midnight release who was very excited. And I wore equipment like my Tony Stark hat. Getting, I'm getting wildly off topic. I like Dragon Age music. You, you didn't want to talk about your um, Black Widow jumpsuit that you wore? I didn't wear it. I made it for you. What? It, sh- what? Now you don't know where I'm coming from. I really don't. <laughs> well, then maybe it's a good time to move on to our next block. I think you are quite correct. And I believe, Mike, you had the first pick. Yeah. Uh, it's... Final Fantasy Explorers, we still don't know if it's coming out here. I have to assume it will. I feel pretty confident that it will. Yeah, I just it's one of those things where it's like, I wish they would just say so. I'm, I'm guessing anyway. we'll hear about it at E3, if it's coming. Probably. Anyway, so I picked a track called Never Ending Journey from Final Fantasy Explorers. I admit, I don't know where in the game it plays, but it has a... Well, we'll talk about it after. But yeah, good song. Some really interesting stuff on that soundtrack. Yeah, also one of my favorites on it. Next, Caitlin picked a song from a game that I don't think we've even featured once on here yet. No. No, we we, we totally haven't featured like almost every (laughs) battle theme. I think we may Uh, actually have featured almost all of the Persona Q soundtrack at this point. (laughs) Well, how can you not, though? Because all of it is awesome. It's true. So this is uh, Battle in the Clock Tower, which is one of the one of two, I think, final uh, boss themes. I haven't gotten there myself in the game, but I'm pretty certain it's one of the final boss names because it sounds like a final boss name. It's pretty finale-tastic. Yeah, and awesome. And then, Steven, what was your pick? So, my last pick, I, I wanted to pick something from Dungeon Man's uh, Andrew Reversa slash Zircon's sort of love letter to Sakimoto and PS1-era RPGs. A, because that game is fantastic, and B, because it just has such a wonderful soundtrack with all of these great themes and so my first instinct was to pick one of my favorite area themes, then I wanted to do a town theme, then I wanted to do a battle theme, then I wanted to do this song called Grand Finale that I think I've actually linked to Mike a couple of times, um, because it's sort of this medley of themes from the game. But I decided to go, I wanted to play something a little bit different in style. This is actually very out of keeping with the style of the rest of the soundtrack. It's Adventures of Burly Liam, and it's interesting because it gives me almost a Yuzo Koshiro in the 80s vibe, because it's got really really muddy bass in it and just it sounds you know this could be a falcom song from the 80s on like the pc engine or something i don't know but it's it's a really different and interesting song that me being the bass fanatic i am i really love so let's go ahead and get around to it we've got never-ending journey battle in the clock tower and adventures of burly liam
So Final Fantasy Explorers, I'm like, I'm like, I want to play it because I like the sound of the job system and of the sort of Fantasy Star and Monster Hunter meets Final Fantasy thing they have going on. I've I've heard mixed mixed opinions on it, but you know, it's the kind of thing I'd like to play for myself. One thing they do really well in that is sort of giving this adventure. Not that Final Fantasy doesn't already have adventure to its music, but this sort of stepping out into the open fields for an adventure type of sound. And I think this does a great job because you get the Final Fantasy series theme. You get the main theme of the of Explorers. You get this just great choir thing building up to that. Like, I like that it feels dramatic, but it also has a different quality to it than I would say the series normally does. And part of that is probably because Yoshi Sekito did it. And, you know, he's done some of the really great Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep music. Um, and I believe some Dream Drop Distance music, you know, a lot of third birthday stuff. Sekito is sort of very underappreciated at Square Enix, and I'm glad he got a chance to do a lot of the tunes in this one. Yeah, I don't know. Was this song used in a trailer for the game, maybe? Um, or so when, when the game first got announced, the official site had the the main melody part of this on there. Not the Final Fantasy theme, but the that... I can't do it, but you know that that choir part is choir like the main. Part, yeah. yeah, I think it's okay. it's the main theme of the game. I think. Yeah, it's very. I like that the sense of adventure. Which you know, again, you said that, but that that's what I like. That's why I picked that song. I like the part about four minutes in where it kind of shifts a little bit and it gets a bit. I don't know, almost like a mysterious setting, the, the sage for the story or whatnot, and it reminds me so much of Tactics. I don't know why. It's got a text quality to it. it. You know, that reminds me of like something I'd hear on the menu screen, like you are preparing to start. Yeah. Definitely a game I'd like to see come here because I think the music is great. And, I, you know, again, Square Enix is sort of finally coming around to making games that we want and not games that we don't want that they think we want. Which, you know, we're actually taking a survey right now as we record this podcast because, you know, why not? And they forgot to include <laughs> the Vita and the 3DS, you know. They include the Nintendo DS, don't worry, but not the 3DS or the Vita. They left out the two main current handheld consoles. So, good Because we haven't released games on those consoles. Yeah, of course you know, not. What are you talking about? We don't have games coming to those consoles or anything. But, you know, but again, I, I think, uh, you know, this is, it, it's really cool to get these different takes on the Final Fantasy themes. And I think for the period of time around 13, when we weren't getting a lot of spinoffs, I sort of missed that because it was always cool to get like, you know, you know, you have, like, your Final Fantasy Adventure, and, like, you know, I know those are from different series, and then you have, like, Crystal Chronicles. You know, you get a lot of really interesting sort of, this is in the spirit of Final Fantasy, but it is different than the traditional games. I really like that this game gave Sekito a chance to do that. Yeah, you reminded me that I miss Crystal Chronicles now. I do miss Crystal Chronicles. We should, have you ever, have you ever beaten that? Uh, yeah, I've beaten the first one, and... The one uh, where Ramu is the final boss? Yeah. The first one and Crystal Bearers. I didn't actually play the DS one. It was bad. Oh, okay. I played it. Uh, yeah, no, the first one's great. We should play that sometime. I mean, I played that with my little brothers growing up. It was a good time. Speaking of a good too. time, Battle on the Clock Tower. So it's really hard. It was really super hard for me to pick, like, one track from Persona Q that I wanted to showcase. Well, on like, the other hand, everybody else already picked everything, so that should have at right. least narrowed your choices. No, that was what I was great. That's why I'm happy that we started, we did this at the end, because... Several of my other choices, including one that you picked, Stephen, already were selected. So it's like, okay, this is easy. Now I have a little bit less I have to choose from. But this this game, it's amazing how awesome the soundtrack is and how well it works 
for both sides, both the, the persona side and the, the Etrian Odyssey side, and doesn't feel out of place really for either. And uh, the battle themes are some of the catchiest that I've heard in a long time. I mean, I listened to this one in particular, and I just couldn't stop humming it, you know, day after day. And it's a really rockin' track. That helps, too. It's really good rockin' track. It, You know, we, we've talked about this several times, so I don't want to, again, go over it too many times. But the reason I like Persona Q's soundtrack so much is that it, it feels like Persona music, but it is not the same Persona music we've been hearing. And, you know, this absolutely gives me vibes of, like, the boss themes from 3, or in particular, a lot of the late-game boss themes from 4. You know, when, like, right around, like, a minute and a quarter, I think, when mm-hmm. you get into that... Part like that's just it's so it's just like when you're listening to like the final battle theme from three and you know you have the sort of rock going on and then all of a sudden yeah. the real melody starts and you're like oh my god this is like punching me in the face with awesome <laughs> so good yeah see that's uh, we were talking off air I guess and I had asked because I haven't played Persona Q yet so I was curious if how much of the music was from other games and apparently not much of it is but I think that says a lot because I'm listening to it and I know Persona 3's music and I'm like, oh yeah, this must be from 3 or 4 or something, but nope. So yeah, I, I like that it really has that Persona 5, even though it's totally new. Yeah. Can you guys like imagine like a few years down the road, another Persona Q, but this time with P3, P4, and P5 cast? I don't even think I'll have to imagine it for long because it's not like <laughs> it's not like they're shy about making new Etrian Odysseys and they made a new Persona Arena. I am sure we will get a Persona Q2, Persona Q-ear, Q-iest. Q-Q. Persona, Persona Q-Q. Q-Q. Persona Q with a little carrot of two. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> that has, you know, what's his, what's his face from Persona 5. Of course, we'll also get the Persona 5 soundtrack, so that'll be delightful. Mm, Persona 5. Mm-hmm. So the last track, Adventures in Berlilium. You know, I, I briefly talked about this beforehand, too, but it just, this song reminds me of, like, 1990s anime and like 80s bass fm old school console like yeez wise three whatever you want to call it it <laughs> reminds me of fantasy star and it wouldn't be out of place in like an etrian odyssey like it just really sounds like a late game etrian odyssey track and i think also too what's interesting about it is it's very different from the rest of the soundtrack because the rest of the soundtrack is mostly playstation themed like you know it's it's constructed, again, to sound sort of like Sakimoto's work on PlayStation and in Final Fantasy XII, but also, you know, PS1 songs in general. But this is definitely not a type of sound that I associate with the PlayStation. Yeah, I was surprised when I listened to this because you had been talking up the soundtrack a lot and it sounded really awesome. And it's like, this doesn't sound like Sakimoto to me. What is yeah. he talking about? Yeah, and then I brought something completely different. Well, that's <laughs> and that's why I did it too because again, it's a great soundtrack. I would encourage you to seek it out and play the game. The game is fantastic. Um, I I can't speak enough to how much fun that game is. It's it ruined me for like a month, but it's just it, it was so different, and I wanted to capture it because it's 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 a late game track, and it just when it first plays in the game, you're like, holy crap, this is. This is different. Like, this is like the moment in Final Fantasy IX when You're Not Alone starts to play. And you're like, this is different. Something different is happening. And just, it, it, this reminds me of that early, those earlier days of gaming when this type of sound could denote that same feeling of, wow, we, I must be getting near the end. Something different is happening. And again, I love bass. I think this song is more polarizing than the rest of the soundtrack would be. But again, I wanted to bring something that 
struck me as as really great and different because the whole soundtrack is good. So this is just different and not indicative of the rest of it, but still awesome. And I'm judging you from any... your silence that you didn't like it as much. Me? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Oh. I'm just no, trying. Well, to, I, I'm just trying to put you guys in the hot seat. I I'm think just trying to find a good word for it. I think it's really cool. It just, it's just yeah, very interesting. Like I think I, we were talking off air, and I think I mentioned that for some reason it reminds me of like the sounds from Echo. It's like the same quality of sound. It reminds me of Sega Genesis games, I guess. If that sounds crazy, I'm sure it sounds crazy. But no, no, it's no, like, no, that doesn't sound crazy at all. Like no, no, Genesis has an FM sound chip. Like that's that's you know I grew up with that, and that's why I think to this day I still really enjoy such heavy bass in my games and songs like this and like Koshiro's work in the earlier Etrian Odyssey games because it sounds like a Genesis game, you know? Like, this sounds like Wanderers from Ease or whatever, Ease, Ease. Don't say Wise. I'm, do, I'm doing it on I, I was doing it on purpose for a while and then I forgot how to actually say it and then I embarrassed <laughs> myself because I was like, I was doing it wrong to annoy people and now I forgot how to actually do it. But... You know, this is this sounds like something I'd hear in like that game. Like I, that, it's just it does. It's a Genesis vibe, exactly, and that's why I dig it. And again, why it's so strange on an album full of PlayStation homages. So moving on to our next block, uh, I had the first pick. Udaku. So this is a Caitlin, track. I, Caitlin. Can I just stop you for a second? I love your ability to hear me do something random and completely nonsensical, just spew off some crazy non sequitur, and you're just yes. like moving, and on. moving on. Like, you don't even say and. You're just like, so yeah, this is a great song. What can I, I say? I, it's I, a I talent. Appre- I appreciate that unflappability. You cannot be flapped. <laughs> okay, that's that's going on my resume. <laughs> I can't Under skills. If you flapped. That's a quote from okay. Michael J. Fox and Scrubs, by the way. You're welcome. <laughs> so anyway, you were saying, Caitlin. I was saying... Uh, Before I flapped my next, <laughs> my next pick was... <laughs> I've been flapped. Oh, I feel so violated. Lord. You're There's a TV show. Live on the podcast. There's a TV show on NBC called The Slap, but this is The Flap. <laughs> it's called The Slap. Yes. Like, yes. Uh, they must feel really good about canceling Scrubs so they could play The f- <clears throat> Play The Slap. That was a very, that was very nearly a Stephen's going to have to censor that part. <laughs> Sorry, I get sensitive when I talk about scrubs. And off topic. You always stay on topic. That is so, the exact opposite of what... Oh, you're being facetious. Yes. Caitlin, you picked a song. Yes. Uh, I can finally introduce it now. Finally, because it's from Final Fantasy XIV. Wait, no, wait. Hold on. It's. I'm guessing it's from Final Fantasy XIV. Yes. How <laughs> did you know? It's like you have a track list in front of you. I have a list of games that are not going to be allowed on the podcast anymore and even though i love them all it's going to be topped with persona q xenoblade and final fantasy 14 <laughs> because i'm 90 percent sure we've played the entire soundtrack to all three of those games at this point Pretty and close. i'm angry because that's why is that not chrono cross why haven't we played all that why isn't it fantasy oh never mind we pretty much did play a lot of fantasy you know what i digress which song from final fantasy 14 i just wanted to rant from <laughs> So this is the extended version of Through the Gloom, uh, the, the song that used to just play at the beginning of the Pharaoh Serious dungeon, but then they were awesome and listened to fan feedback and said, we're going to extend it to play throughout the entire dungeon. And 
it's awesome. They did a great job of it. So you know, that's a really that's an example too of why I like that game. You know, I don't play it as much as you all do, and I know we joke that I quit it every five minutes, but it you know. <laughs> Another reason I really like that game is that people said we want a longer version of this song because it's so good and it ends too fast. And then they made a six minute version of it and put it in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and if, that's, if, like... if that's not pandering to a person like me, I don't know what is other <laughs> than maybe a Kingdom Hearts three. But that's, you know, that's my challenge. I'm not drinking, I swear. You're not? Uh... Not yet. Once we once we once we finish introducing this block, we will be. Oh, good. Okay. Well, then maybe we should move on to your pick, Stephen. Yes. So my pick, ironically, mm-hmm. <laughs> given my recent rant, is from Persona Q. And so this song is, uh, I, don't, I don't actually know what it's officially called in English, but I'm calling it Footsteps of Time. Uh, it's the Final Dungeon theme. It's fantastic. It's so good. And I, you know, I won't belabor the point. It's awesome. And again, much like everything else we played from Persona Q, it sounds like Persona, but it also sounds like Etrian Odyssey, and it's good, and yada, yada, yada. Mike, what did you pick? Well, I had picked a song from Fairy Fencer F, and then someone else beat me to it, so I had to change my pick. You were the one that wanted to record a podcast between Music of the Year and Now. I know, I know. And but I was, I, I was liked still... that song, so I picked it. It was a great song. Thanks a lot. Anyway, but I still really liked that soundtrack, surprisingly, because I really had no... I wasn't didn't think it'd be bad. I just was, it wasn't really on my radar. Let's be honest. We were expecting it to be a crappy, like fan service RPG. Yes. Unfortunately, well, not unfortunately. Fortunately, has great music. <laughs> yeah. So instead of all our might tonight, which is still my favorite song in the album, I picked something that I'm going to make you pronounce because I have no, I don't even know where to begin with this name. This is Anyakusudo Kage no Monotachi. Yeah, that one. That's what I picked. Okay. Well, Good job. All right, then. Coming up, we have Through the Gloom, the long version, Footsteps of Time, and Anyakusuru Kage no Monodachi.
Okay, so, uh, we already mentioned before about, like, the circumstances of this extended version and how it's awesome that they went ahead and did this, despite the fact that they didn't make a different version of the dungeon. It's not like it's a new version with different enemies, like the, the hard mode dungeons. They, they, they tweaked some of the boss battles, and that's about it. But they gave us this awesome extended version of the track to play throughout. And that just, that just goes to show, I think, what how well, not just, you know, Silk and, and the music team, but the entire Final Fantasy XIV team are doing it, listening to fans. They're in tune with what people want. Yeah. You know, they're not going to change the entire structure of the game because someone's like, it's too much like, wow, I don't like it. That's not going to happen. But within the sphere of the game they've created, they are very receptive to like, oh, yeah, we're going to try to do that. You know, we're going to do these things that make this game a better version of what it is. Mm-hmm. And like simple stuff like this, like that they went back and just added a song into a dungeon that, to be honest, nobody likes to do anyway. <laughs> it's really great. I it's like sh- doing it. It's a shame that very few people like to do it, because I think it looks cool, and I've only ever finished it once. The problem is that that dungeon is too hard for, well, it was too hard for what level it was, and now it's too easy and doesn't drop yeah. anything good. Yeah. I like I, it no. because it reminds me of Final Fantasy XII, because Pharaoh Sirius, the Pharaohs at Ritterana, Pharaohs it's a giant Ritterana. lighthouse that you're climbing up, so... Oh, yeah. And it helps that they did a good job, I think, extending it. They They looped the first part, made a different introduction, but then there's also this really beautiful part at the end where the piano comes in, uh, mm, which is totally yeah. new to that track and works so well with it and transitioning and kind of sombering the music a little bit. I always viewed the vocals in that song as like the sound, the call of Siren, because spoiler alert, guys, the boss of the dungeon is Siren, sorry. And, you know, I, I like the idea of that song being the call of Siren. Mm-hmm. She does a better job singing in the song than she does when you fight her. <laughs> but I, I always stun her. <laughs> yeah, you do, with your good looks. Well, also my shield, because I smack her in the face. I was trying to give you a compliment. Oh, thank you, God. sir. <laughs> yeah, I love that song. I, I'm sure I might have written something about it somewhere in this feature, but I, I imagine whenever they do the next soundtrack add-on or however they're going to do all the patch music. I'm sure this will be in there. It better. I'm guessing they'll do a soundtrack that includes all of the patches since the last one and yeah. Heaven's Word. Yeah. So, yeah, that's... I, I'm i really happy they did that because they didn't even do it right after. I forgot when it happened because I think that was... Was that patch 2.2? It was like months and months later. There might have even been like one or two patches after the fact. They like went back and added it and I was like, wow, that's impressive that they would do that. Hey, gotta keep gotta keep soaking employed. He needs to be there as long as possible. He also yes, needs a chance please. to score Final Fantasy 16. Mm-hmm. Like, don't get me wrong, Yokushima Mura is my jam, and I am already thoroughly in love with the Final Fantasy 15 soundtrack of what we've heard. But so Ken doing a classic Final Fantasy would just be, oh, so oh yeah, for sure. Like that dude has earned his chops. Whatever that doesn't make sense. Whatever he's good. He's great. It's great. It's good. It's, it's awesome. Good. good things are good. Yeah, that's good. So they seem pretty good. Stop saying good, Sean. You sound like an ass. <laughs> Footsteps of Time, you know, I already talked about how I feel like this is a really great sort of fusion of the Persona and the Etrian Odyssey styles of music. So it's it's a lot of buildup, but it's it's so dramatic for what is essentially a fan service game. And that game, you know, it, it has good writing. There's, I know we've I've spoken with Derek and Rob a lot about it and Tuker. 
about how the game feels fan servicey, and it does. But I feel like it's fan servicey in that this is how the characters are, so we're letting them sort of just extrapolate from there. But the vibe of that game is so cool, and you know, it's such a dramatic song. Like, like that that vocal in the background, and like the guitar is very Falcom-y. and it's just the the best way I can explain it is that the song to me feels like its title, like the the pace and the tone and the different tone and the different different sounds coming together in the song sound like the footsteps of time. Like I feel like I should be moving forward on the final path or something when I listen to this. Yeah, well definitely like the especially just the way that the track starts with the I don't know if it's some sort of electric piano or chime or whatever, it sounds almost like the ticking of a clock, doesn't it? A little bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then of course the guitar comes in and you're like, this is a pretty rockin' clock that I'm moving around to. I like rocking clocks. They're the only kinds of clocks I own. <laughs> but yeah, you know, we've we've talked about Persona Q so much at this point. I don't want to, you know, beat it any further into the ground. But I this was right when the soundtrack first came out. This was immediately my favorite song on the soundtrack. Yeah, it stood out to me as well. So the That's final cool. track that we picked for this block, Mike. Is, how do you feel? Why why'd you pick that song? Because I had to. No, uh, I I don't know. See, I haven't played the game. This, if you've listened to the soundtrack, I know at least you have, Stephen. But the kind of main theme here is in at least two or three different tracks. So I don't know yeah. if this is like the main theme of the game or if it's a character theme. Because uh, I do know it's it's in there a few times. But I, I really like, I don't know, whatever it is. Just It's a really cool uh, theme. And this one's, I forget the other track. There's another track that has it, but this one's a little more, a little heavier, a little more dramatic. It's a short track. But about right halfway through, it just has this really neat guitar riff going on. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's sort of the first part of it honestly feels almost not tropey, but it reminds me of a lot of modern anime theme songs where it's like all those like electronic sounds sort of, you know, a cacophony of them. And then it just sort <laughs> yeah. of blows up into this awesome guitar riff that, again, it's very anime sounding, but I really like it. Not that, yeah. not that anime sounding is bad, but it, it reminds me of something you would hear in an anime theme song. Yeah. <laughs> no, it re- yeah, it reminded me of the openings from Ghost, from both seasons of Ghost in the Shell. And then I wasn't expecting The Rock uh, to come in, yeah. but I'm happy it did because it was pretty awesome. Oh, yeah, absolutely. My favorite yeah. part of the song. I really like you know, the build up to it. Yeah, you know, like, it's again, I, I seriously doubt that is a game I'm ever going to even come close to playing, but it's an awesome soundtrack. Well worth checking out. Even if you're not interested in the game, I would say listen to the soundtrack, uh, particularly the second disc. It's just a lot of great themes, you know, just good stuff. We have at last come to what is probably the final full block of non-audience choice music of the year music. We're going to get Tuker in here, but thanks to the magic of editing, I'm probably actually going to put his section before this one. So you're all going to be temporally confused when you hear this sequence. Because they're going to be like, we already heard Tooker's picks. What? I know. So they're going to get here, and they're going to be like, maybe he was erased from existence. existence. Thank you. Thank you. So for the final block, I, <laughs> these songs are all awesome. And I believe the floor first goes to Michael. Yes. Uh, so in our last, well, our last regular episode, uh, Caitlin picked one of the Shiva songs from Final Fantasy XIV. 
I wish we had a name for it. That's the problem with no soundtracks. It's like it's one of the Shiva songs. That's or, all we know what to well, call it. We can also do what they do in Curtain Call and just give every song a completely different name for no reason. Oh, okay. But we don't even have a name for it to change it from. No, we can we could call it Dreams of Ice. Sure. Yeah, Caitlin that was the played, name for the patch. Yeah, Caitlin played the Dreams of Ice song. Um, this one actually has a name. This is Oblivion. This is Shiva's like main like vocal theme. Although this is from the, <laughs> damn it, Stephen, <laughs> two over. For, for the audience, no, I'm not cutting this out. For the audience, as Mike was talking, I texted him a picture of me making a funny face. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so th- this in fact, is, maybe uh, I'll make it the album art. This is why I don't have my phone in front of me. Okay. I don't either. It came up on my computer. I have iMessage open. Wait, I have I have that much power over you that it appears on your computer. That's fantastic. Yeah. So happy. Okay. I'm going to go so plant some trees. This is the version of Oblivion from the Astral to Umbral album. So it's the band version of Oblivion, not the in-game version. It's uh, awesome. It's super cool, but I'll talk about it later. Uh, yes. Next track is Caitlin. So I picked, this is the E3 2013 trailer for Xenoblade Cross or Xenoblade X. Um, I'm weird. I like to pronounce whatever, things. Whatever like. you'd like to call that game's terrible title. Yes. <laughs> that, that game's terrible and inappropriate title. It should not be called Xenoblade. But Even worse. In that, the is a, that is an argument I'm going to make on Random Encounter tomorrow. Don't worry. <laughs> well, by the time you hear this, listeners, it'll be Random Encounter from probably a month ago. But that's neither here nor there. So even though this is the 2013 trailer, it was released on their website, the website for the game, I believe... I think it was Christmas Day. See, that's when I at least found out that they had posted it on the website. So for me, it was like the Christmas miracle track. It's a good representation of the new composer for the game, Hiroyuki Sawano, and what his style is. And it's an awesome track, so mm, it was sure obvious it choice. Yeah, it's it's a, it's very different in style from Xenoblade Chronicles Shulk Edition. We'll talk about it after, but yes. And at last... The entire reason that this entire music of the year thing exists, let's see if I can fit the word entirely into my sentence again, is because I wanted to play this song at the end of the main sequence. Because it is so epic and so dramatic and so the best final boss theme ever put down on any sort of medium thing anywhere ever. And you're wrong if you disagree with me, it's okay. And this is an even better version of it. This is Darkness of the Unknown, the full movement. Uh, all three movements of it from Kingdom Hearts 2.5. This is the VGO re-recorded version where they had, I'm guessing, gods themselves get on the <laughs> instruments and just wail on them. So you have this deep, rich, dramatic sound that just captures what is, without a doubt, one of the best final boss fights of all time. And I won't say it's the best one because subjectivity, whatever, you guys are all wrong. And... It's just amazing. The first sequence of it, it's a little subdued, and it's always been my least favorite of the three, but I think it's an appropriate introduction. But the the second and third movements of this song are so amazing, and just blah, and we're going to listen to them now because, well, we're going to listen to the other two songs first. But yes, coming up, we've got Oblivion, the band version, the song from Xenoblade Chronicles X slash Cross, and Darkness of the Unknown.
So I actually really like both versions of the Shiva battle theme. They're just... They're really, really cool. Ah. Did I make that joke in the last episode? Probably. Probably. Well, That's why we like you. Regard- if you didn't, you would have been fired. Right? Okay, good. Then I'm still here. So, But no, I really like how different they are. Um, this one feels a little more closer to Soken's heart. Like, I feel like he's like Uematsu, where deep down he just wants to make rock music all day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it almost feels inappropriate for the fight. I actually sort of do feel that way. The more I, now that I've said that out loud, I agree. I, I don't think it fits the fight as well as the first song. Uh, you know, like the, like the surf butt rock thing that Leviathan had made sense because it was sort of like, brah, we're on the ocean fighting Leviathan. Uh, <laughs> this has a really similar tone to me. Like, I feel like this is like Spring Break the Anthem or something. And, uh, you know, I don't feel like it suits her. On the other hand, I think it's awesome. Um, you know, this just, the, the vocals that I, I really love the lyrics, especially the, the, the female singer here. Um, and I think that component suits her well. But this, it for all of the gravitas and the sort of regality of Shiva in, the, in 14, the way she's presented, I feel like this song, which is really catchy and fun and sort of like, you know, upbeat and exciting does not suit you in a giant frozen amphitheater fighting something that could destroy the world. <laughs> well, um, it doesn't really, Oh, sorry. No, good. It, it doesn't actually, you know, once you like read the lyrics and listen to the lyrics, like it doesn't really have anything to do with her. Like it's kind of a depressing song, although that's uh, not, I wouldn't say it doesn't have anything to do with her. There are elements in this song that fit the character that you're interacting with before you fight Shiva. and so, so you would see this more as a theme of that character rather than Shiva herself. Well, I mean, like, it's hard to explain without, like, going into spoilers about what happens I mean, we've spoiled, in that sequence. We've spoiled tons of stuff. Guys, don't listen to this part if you don't want to have the end of the Shiva story arc spoiled. <laughs> okay. Spoiler alert, she's the boss of the arc that's called Dreams of Ice. So <laughs> all of the previous primals were just, like, they were summons that got summoned. I mean, they just came out of thin air. But this is the first primal where a person Turns becomes the it. vessel for the primal. Which is very and, cool uh, in the in the context of the story. I, I, yeah. One of the reasons I like this storyline so much. And I feel like some of the lyrics especially do fit that storyline. Their lyrics are talking about fearing the Reaper, fighting the Reaper, and it's always described as being a she. And there's one part where it just can't defeat her, so instead I'll have to be her. That, to me, That's, fit uh, the storyline of Lady Iceheart becoming <coughs> Shiva. Okay, all right. Yeah, I I'll didn't buy, think of it that way. I'll buy that. Yeah. I mean, the important thing about that song, I mean, yeah, I like it too. It's cool. and it It's interesting that this song, of all the other ones on this album, like this one I think is closest to the original. Yeah, at, at first I actually just yeah. thought it was the original. Yeah, it's like that's because the in the in game one he kind of already did this. He already did a rock version. Yeah. This one just sounds like a live version or something of that. A liver okay. version. Yeah, a liver version. Um, but the important thing, besides it being cool, like J Rocky kind of song, is that the lyricist, who's also like the lead localization guy, and I don't know how many hats that guy wears, but he's pretty awesome. He basically has my dream job. He's a Japanese translator who also participates in the creation of music for Square Enix RPGs. Yeah, and he writes the English lyrics and he like sings on some of the tracks. And um but you know, he managed to work the phrase let it go 
into this song about Shiva. <laughs> and it's it's a very, very different meaning in this song. But mm-hmm. I just I appreciate that because that's just it's great. it's a much darker meaning when you look at the lyrics as a whole. Oh yeah. Because a lot of them are they're talking about death, a lot of them. Mm-hmm. So and that's also just interesting in the context of the story and the fight too. So this is an, I, I love this because when I first heard the song and played the battle, I could pick out some of the lyrics because uh, the vocals are a bit muted um, in the song that plays in the game, but I couldn't really understand everything until I found the lyrics on um, the developer's blog. Mm-hmm. And then I read them and I was like, wow, this is, this is a lot deeper than I thought it was. This has a lot more meaning yeah. than I thought it did. And, and suddenly it's like, this is awesome. I love this. All right, fair enough. I will I will accept that as why it fits then. That sounds I like that. That's that's a, a cool cool they would go to that level of detail for it too. Not that I would expect them not to, but after after Leviathan I'm just you know, my 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 metric for their lyrics is admittedly not high at the moment. Because <laughs> Titan it's just like And then just some guy yelling as the other guy's like oh Titan has lyrics. Titan has. Uh, just, I just can't hear them. It just sounds like somebody speaking through a mouthful of gravel. Yeah, and then Leviathan. Titan. Well, yeah, I can hear all of the lyrics in Leviathan. We know yeah. we're fighting Leviathan. Okay, right. we got that. Again, I don't want to sound as if I don't think those songs are awesome. I do. I just I think the Leviathan lyrics really are like just dumb. Like Leviathan <laughs> sounds like he should appear in a Seven Up commercial. Like wait. Like a seven up commercial from the nineties with cool spot. Like Leviathan, <laughs> Leviathan, cool spot. I'm sorry, what are your thoughts on the following lyrics? So you think you can ride this chocobo? I mean you... not as not not much. <laughs> so you think you can ride this chocobo. Anyways, speaking of not riding chocobos, but riding giant robots called dolls. Okay. <laughs> yes. Uh okay, so Caitlin, who is a giant robot called the doll? I am? (laughs) Well, I am a doll. Are you not? I wish. Um, So, a little bit of backstory here, because set stage a little bit. Um, It's a great song. So I, like all of us here, and I'm sure all of you listeners, it better be all you listeners, love the soundtrack for the original Xenoblade. Um, now that I've beaten it, I'm okay with us having featured most of it. Yes, because it, <laughs> it totally deserves it. It's amazing. It's an amazing soundtrack. Yeah. And I was, like um, all of us, I'm sure, disappointed at first to hear that uh, Ace Plus and Manami Kyoto and Shimura were not coming back. And for... the one Mitsuda song, too. He did the uh, vocal theme. Eh, I wasn't Although so I, broken up about I'll, it. But I'll, I didn't really care about that song, but having, yeah. having Mitsuda listed on the same soundtrack with Shimomura was just delightful yeah. for me. Yeah. So I took it upon myself to find out everything I could about this new guy. I say that in quotes because he's not really <laughs> necessarily a new guy. He was um, time. Yes. Uh, he's done a lot of big name anime, like if you've heard of Attack on Titan or Mobile Suit Gun the Unicorn. Yeah. So he's he's totally, he's not new to composing, although I think this is his first video game that he's composed for. I think so. I'm pretty certain. I would say it's certainly his first big budget RPG. Yeah. Um, and I should mention that the guy we're talking about is Hiroyuki Sawano. So just so like, just, oh, he has a name. 
Um, so I listened to a bunch of his soundtracks and I gotta say, I really like his music. He can be kind of polarizing. I see a lot of people on the other side of the fence who hate him. Um, well, see what I've read is I think his style is great. And like, I've, I've listened to some of his like mobile suit Gundam unicorn music, which is amazing. Uh-huh. And I love his music in attack on Titan kill a kill. I've sort of not sort of, sort of been watching that show. It's really weird, but the, his music suits it well. I think yeah. the critique I have of him that I think a lot of people do is that a lot of his music sounds, other than some of his more seminal works, sound very similar. And even yeah. what I've heard from Xenoblade sounds like Sawano. Like, you know, I could I could identify it that it's his. Yeah. Which is Which, it's good. It's good stuff. Yeah, it's it's so you know it's really interesting to hear that argument because um, the other thing people will call him is he's like the Hans Zimmer of anime because people also throw that complaint at Hans Zimmer that everything he does sounds the same. Well, and I guess I like this person who's cool with that because I love Hans Zimmer. If yes, Well, I like Hans Zimmer, although Hans Zimmer is more of a studio at this point than just a composer. A lot of his right. work is actually produced by understudies, but we'll get into that. Um, yeah. But I, I don't inherently have a problem with a, a composer having a style either. But, you know, for me, as long as that I can have that style justified in the context of whatever medium I'm experiencing in, uh, all the Xenoblade Chronicles X cross whatever music I've heard sounds perfect for the game because it's it's clear that they are not going for a similar vibe to Xenoblade Chronicles the original. Yeah. Um, you know, this is this is a very different kind of game. It seems a lot more heavy on the sci-fi and a lot more sort of Xenogearsy weighty. You know, yeah. we are, you know, this is the beginning of all the known universe and yada yada or whatever. Um, I think it fits it really well. It has a lot more melodrama in it. And I don't I don't use that in a derogatory sense, but it does sound like Xenoblade. The original has a lot of dramatic music, but this sounds like Attack on Titan punch you in the gut dramatic type music. Sawano is very good at creating that kind of epic. I mean, if there's one thing that he can do incredibly well, it's to create that sort of epic soundstage, awesome sauce yeah, music. Yeah, absolutely. So I am, I'm sure we will not be disappointed in that respect. And you're right. To, it does, I think, like you said, fit the game. Pronunciation quibbles aside, I think, you know, calling it cross or X, whatever. Whatever is we're really, calling it. It's really fitting because there's elements from all the different Zeno series in this game. It's yeah, got, it, it it looks like. Sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. It's well, yeah, like it's got the exploration and battle system from Xenoblade. It's got the character design style from Xenosaga and by extension Xenogears, and the setting, the whole ship carrying possibly the last of humanity crashing on an alien planet is very Xenogears like. Let alone the gears, the dolls, and the games. So. Yeah, it, it almost feels like they wanted to take the tone of Xenogears and Xenosaga and make a game with Xenoblade's combat system. Yeah. Uh, which, again, I'll, I'll talk more about this on the regular show, but that's why I sort of wish they didn't call it Xenoblade. I feel like that was a marketing decision, pure and simple. Because even if it still has the palettes, it's not spiritually a sequel to Xenoblade. It's spiritually a sequel to Gears and Saga, it seems like. Yeah. And it also has horrifically ugly character models, but that's just a personal thing. Uh, they'll, they'll grow on you. Oh, they look so weird. They look mm. they look like mobile RPG 3D characters like just they look like they they came out of like a Fantasy Star Universe game like they're just the genericiest generic that ever generic to sci-fi generic. <laughs> but again, 
not you, again. I don't. I hate to sound so negative on it because I'm really excited for it. But yeah, it, it's it's so different from Xenoblade that I see why they went with a different composer. Yeah, and this is a really. I mean, I love this track. It's it's a really awesome track, but it's also a good sort of sample of the different things that Selena does because it's got the electronic. It's got the sort of he brings some more symphonic into it. There's the vocals, which eh, uh, prepare for some English. There's probably going to be some English because a lot of his other stuff kind of is iffy, but it's still really awesome vocalizations that I love. And Hey, I didn't mind the English and persona. I won't mind it here. Yeah. I so. actually love the lyrics in here. Cause again, I don't tend to actually pay attention to what lyrics are saying ever. To <laughs> me, the voice is just another instrument and you know, not that I don't like some lyrics, but you know, I'm so I sort of just, I, I pick up more on the tonal quality of the way the lyrics are picking up in this music and I feel like they really do give it sort of a dramatic Xenogears vibe. Like, remember the first time you heard Awakening when you're fighting the final boss in Xenogears? Right when the right when the vocals come in and you're like, oh my god, this is dramatic! <laughs> That's the same, also, same impact I get from them in this. Also, uh, the vocals that Kajiura did in, uh, mm. in episode 2 oh, and episode yeah. 3. That yeah. yafo sade yare thing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that thing. I watched that the last part of the second Xenosaga 2 trailer like 300 times because of how much I liked the song. Right when Gene and uh, What's-His-Face are fighting. Ah, it's awesome. Uh, So, other awesome music. Yes. I I just, I really love Darkness of the Unknown. You know, I I was was silly before when I introduced it. You know, if you don't like it, that's fine. But you're wrong. But it's... (laughs) For me, the reason... You know, I could talk about this to great, 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 great length, but... From the perspective of the game, the reason I like it is because, A, it's three different movements that all sort of play on the same themes. Um, it is musically very consistent with what you've heard for organization music up to that point. And from a gameplay perspective, they figured out in Kingdom Hearts 2 that you don't get emotional engagement fighting a giant house. You don't get emotional <laughs> engagement fighting some blob of nonsense like in every Star Ocean final boss battle. You don't get emotional gratification from fighting a trash angel like in Final Fantasy XII. You just don't. Like, no, but so, you know, you don't get emotional attachment to the antagonist of your story when you're fighting some unrecognizable nonsense that sort of maybe resembles it slightly. Kingdom Hearts 2 understands you scale it back. First, you're fighting a dragon with laser beams. Then you're flying through the air with your best friend, punching buildings at that dragon and fighting a dude on a throne made of the weapons of all the bad guys you fought throughout the entire game and the last game. And then after that, you're in like the negative zone, one-on-one fighting him just straight up like a person. And that is so, like as an emotional climax, that is perfect. And so the music reflects that because you have this sort of build. So I would say the most dramatic part is in the middle of the song, the second movement. And then it calms itself down for that final part. Like that is where it's sort of more contemplative and like that. This is interesting. Like you were even surprised, Caitlin, that it was like a a cutscene song. Or rather Uh, not, not a cutscene song. Yeah. The last part where it slows down because it's not, that doesn't, isn't what you think of when you think of a final boss thing. You, You think of upbeat, you think of lots of percussion, possibly guitars, whatever. So I was like, this must be like a, Cutscene, right? Well, or... you pointed out too, Final Fantasy VII does that as well. And there's different music for that last fight when you're just fighting bare chest yeah. Sephiroth and mm-hmm. wherever the hell you are. Sexy um, Sephiroth. But that's that's a cool moment because that whole sequence is more of a narrative thing than a gameplay thing because you're hitting Sephiroth 
basically just to build up your limit break and kill him with Omni Slash, because you know it's coming and you can't lose. It's yeah. literally just you beating on Sephiroth for revenge. Like, it's the emotional climax of the battle, not the gameplay climax of it. But in this case, you know, it's a little bit of both in Kingdom Hearts. But just, I, I love how the song suits that well, because um, you have the main organization theme worked in there. You have just, just like, so many variations on the themes that take place in the end of the game that it's just, it's this perfect climax in terms of the music. And, you know, again, the second part is one is my favorite final boss theme ever. Just, it's amazing. Like, you know, you have the melody going up on itself, like right around two Oh five when it starts, like they just like, I feel like somebody is taking just a sledgehammer and smashing the bass notes on the piano and just getting that deep, deep sound, especially from the VGO version. They really knew which parts to sort of emphasize. And like, you know, each cycle of the song goes up just a little bit on the scale. So you have this sense of escalation as you're flying around with your best friend. You know, the bad guy's trying to sow dissent. It's just super dramatic. And I love it. Oh, yeah. And he's shooting laser beams at you and just flying everywhere. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. Love it. So, yeah, the song. I love uh, I love the uh, the that minor melody that it starts off with uh, with the piano. Yes, that there's something very sad and haunting about that, and how it, it gets repeated and treated throughout the track. And then when you get to the the third movement where it slows down, and then the harp takes over uh, with the the violin kind of lilting in there. Yeah. I don't know that I've come across another final uh, boss theme that sort of evokes that kind of emotion from me like that. Yeah, you know, because again, a big part of the storyline is that you are sort of supposed to feel bad for the bad guys because they can't feel emotion. They don't have hearts. So like you, like the whole final boss, you're like trying to source, trying to convince the bad guy like, hey, uh, there's a lot more to life than just being ragey and, you know, hating everything and stuff. And, you know, it's sort of. The darkness of the unknown being the nobodies is the fact that these people don't remember what it's like to be human. And, you know, to the point where he sort of recognizes that, like, the vo- especially in English, the voice actor really captures, like, one of the last lines is, uh, you know, the heart's full of other emotions, don't you remember? And he's just like, unfortunately, I don't. And then you just start railing on him, you know, because he's like, unfortunately, and he's like, when he says unfortunately, he sounds like he believes unfortunately. He's like, I kind of wish that I remember what it's like to not want to destroy you. But yeah, no, it's it's a very melancholy, you know, the middle part is exciting, but, you know, it's it's a very downbeat kind of song, I would say. Subdued. You know. Yeah. For Final Boss, it's a very subdued song, but I like that. It sort of brings home that, again, that emotional finale type of thing where it's like, this is just you and the dude. And it's like, you know, he's like grabbing you by the throat and throwing you into the air and you're like teleporting around just fighting him. It's, you know, it's... Again, we all know how I feel about Kingdom Hearts 2, and even if this weren't in Kingdom Hearts 2, I would still love this song because of just how fantastic this version of it is. I E3 last year, I spoke to Shota Nakama of the Video Game Orchestra before a Video Games Live show, and he told me, this is right before they announced it, he's like, yeah, we're redoing Kingdom Hearts 2, and I tried to not explode upon him in joy. Uh, <laughs> I did my best, and I, I was like, oh my god, what's your favorite song? And he's like, Oh, I really love the final boss battle. We did a, I think we did a really good job with that. And I about lost my mind. Because uh, they did. This is just, this is, I would say you could argue that some of the songs, maybe they didn't emphasize the right parts. I, I personally don't feel that way, but I could see how somebody else would. But this is a song that they have utterly perfected. Like this performance is amazing of this song. I, I think they did, um, on both of these albums, 
not to like overly generalize, we're talking about one song, but I think the Kingdom Hearts HD songs, they did much better than the Final Fantasy X stuff. The Final Fantasy X, I think, was hit or miss. The Kingdom Hearts thing, I think yeah. I like all of what they did. Yeah, I agree. I think part of it is that Hama Uzu went in and like recorded certain tracks of the songs. Like, you know, he would change like the way this bass line sounds, or he changed the way this one instrument sounded. And so it sort of it it uncanny it not uncanny valued you, but like it they didn't sound like the same songs. Oh, see, I didn't know that. So they weren't like they didn't just start over from scratch. They kind of like, well, let's change this yeah, part. It was, and, it yeah, was yeah, exactly. Ten was different. Whereas with Kingdom Hearts one, they re-recorded with live instruments, and Kingdom Hearts two, they arranged it and performed it. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's dynamite and fantastic. If you if you find that interesting for a boss battle theme, Caitlin, you should also listen to the other promise. It's the character Roxas's theme song as a battle theme, and it's exactly like this, where it's like. This is more of a sad, depressing song than a I'm beating on somebody song. <laughs> okay. It, it's qu- it's also coincidentally one of the best battle themes in the game, but I have I have the the two point five soundtrack. I just haven't gotten around to listening to it because <sighs> everything else that I have to listen to. It's so good. So yeah. That's music of the year, yo. I I I, I plotted this entire million hour feature just so I could play Darkness of the Unknown and freak out <laughs> about how good it is. That- Totally seems like something you would do. So oh, yeah. you'd say this was your evil plan? Are you the final boss, Steven? No, we haven't finished yet. Well, that was the final, final boss final. in terms of segments we have to record. But, you know, we have, I mean, we, we have another final boss who's like the glob of nonsense. That's, all, you know, all this random things that come together in the audience choice, which is up next. But, you know, and in... That sort of thing. You know, I'm not done playing Kingdom Hearts music yet. Wait, so the audience Everyone... is the final boss? Yeah. Everyone yeah. stay tuned for the audience picks, also known as the final glob of nonsense. <laughs> now, the, the audience is the final boss. You're right. Oh, okay. Deep okay. down, audience, you are the final boss. You are the final obstacle that we must satisfactorily satisfy. Think of it at like the end of Xenosaga 2 when your albedo's just like, hurt me! Ah! And you're just like to awesome boss music. At this point, yes, I'm off. Yes, that song was fantastic. I'm off on a wild tangent. I'm sorry. That's music of the year, ladies and gentlemen. We hope you enjoyed our picks. It was wonderful, right? Yeah. Indeed. Excellent. We're patting ourselves on the back right we now. We are patting we really ourselves. Are. I'm, I'm not because I'm looking at the list of editing I have left to do. But <laughs> you know, coming up next, the final sequence, the audience picks. You guys sent us in everything you wanted over the course of the year, and it's strange that we're finally going to be doing it because. I felt like we were recording this for a long time, so hopefully you all will find it worthwhile. And stay tuned, because that's next.
right, everybody, welcome back. The grand finale. I have gathered my favorite people for the finale of Music of the Year, which is going to be out within a matter of days after recording this. It's taken a long road, but we have had a zillion guests and played a million songs, and by this point, everyone's so tired of hearing from us, but we're going to keep going anyway. Uh, I'm, just, I'm, I'm included in one of your favorite people? I said some of my favorite people. Oh, okay, that's fair. That's fair. I, I think he made a mistake. Yeah, no, clearly, clearly. <laughs> I've never made a mistake. What would I have ever made a mistake about? Anyway, joining me today, Rob Steinman. Bloodborne. Caitlin Argyros. Uh, also Bloodborne. <laughs> Michael Salvato. I'm not playing Bloodborne, I'm sorry. But he How is the co-co-host. Fail. The co-co-host. I know, I'm the outsider now. How are you not playing Bloodborne? I'm so angry at you now. Well, you said you are going to buy it for me, and it hasn't arrived yet. So. Uh, no, that was Steven. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Someone yes. buy it for me. Oh, okay. Maybe I'll buy one, and we'll just keep paying it forward. And if it, There'll always be one person in the world who got a copy of Bloodborne that someone bought for them. I love it. It's perfect. But so today's theme, if, if you will, uh, it's the audience choice. So to you, dear listeners, uh, everything you sent us throughout the past entire year, um, I've been keeping track of it. We have a, a Trello card on our little work organization tool where I just every time someone sends me an idea, we keep track of it. And so I parsed through all of your selections and, uh, you know, a couple of you contact me almost constantly, so you got two tracks, so congratulations. But most people, I, I tried to pick, you know, at least one of your tracks that seemed really cool. It was from something we hadn't played before. Um, so you picked all the content today. We're just here to listen and comment on it and probably try to stop Rob from talking more about Bloodborne. Bloodborne. At We're going to fail. But uh, let's go ahead and listen to the first block before we start chatting. So coming up first, uh, we have... From I'm going to say these names correctly. I, I, I practiced this year, so that way I don't have grain of arrival. We have Glass Josh, who, for Mike, recommended the Final Fantasy VI intro theme. This is during the walk to Narsh, so that's a classic. And then Beryl has Miss Monomi's practice lesson from Danganronpa 2. And Angelo Grant with the Tower of Alemia from a, I believe it is a Sharp x86 PC-only Japanese game called... Uh, Tower of Etois. I believe it's Etois. Etois. Way, way to pick something that no one is going to know. I kind of like that. Right, exactly. So uh, coming up, we've got the Final Fantasy VI intro, Miss Monomi's practice lesson, and Tower of Alinea. Thank you. 
So the walk to Narsh is classic. Mike, you actually played that in the snow episode we injected between music of the year and everything else. I, you know, could say a million and one things about that song. It's iconic. It's wonderful. It's kind of like Tara's theme. It's like the same melody, you know? Yeah, I mean, I I feel like I said so much about it. I think I said a lot about it on the last episode. So I basically have the same comments here. I love it. And I'm so happy someone's sent it in to us. Yes. And I, that's why I dedicated it. I hope you don't mind Glass Josh. I'm going to call you Glass Josh because that's what it says. But it's clever, though, because it's Glass Jaw with a W and then SH. So it's Glass Josh. I mean, I think we're all showing our age a little bit by picking on Final Fantasy VI, but that music is so near and dear to our hearts. You know, you start to wonder, are we just all being very nostalgic for that game? Like, with how much love we get it, we give it and how much we love things like the music, the combat? Or is it just that damn good? I think it is just that damn good. I think parts of it have aged, but, you know, the, in the case of the music, you know, I'm always fighting against what I call them Uematsu is the best composer ever writes. Yes. <laughs> uh, because Uematsu is incredible and talented, and we talked about this last night, but, you know, I just... There are so many other fantastic musicians that the sort of zero-sum game of no one will ever be as good as Uematsu is reductive and sort of precludes you from listening to all the other awesome music out there, or at least appreciating it enough, because, you know, you, you gotta respect Uematsu, but you can also respect all of the other people who have come after him. But, that said, songs like this are why he has that reputation. This is just, this is... I don't know that there's anything in Final Fantasy VI that sets the tone more than this song. Mm-hmm. And yeah, especially right. uh, especially what he was able to do with just the Super Nintendo. Sorry, I was trying to emulate the, uh, the 16-bit operatic warbling. <laughs> what have we wrought? I'm going to go on record now. <laughs> Say this is the greatest audio moment of our entire feature. Probably. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe I'll make it the intro. So yes, thank you, Glass Josh, for your recommendation there. Uh, so, Miss pr- Minomi's practice lesson. Uh, we're not. We're, I didn't play it again in the editing, just since Kim picked this earlier in the show. Um, but I did at least want to draw attention to the fact that Barrel selected this track. Barrel is a loyal listener, so we appreciate your suggestion. And we were sort of talking about that song. Just has the craziest lyrics. It's just it's. It's very in keeping with Danganronpa. I've slowly been making progress in the first one, but just that... The way it just starts off like that is amazing. Which part did I keep quoting? <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember, but it's it's crazy. Like, Danganronpa is perhaps... I like the music. I, I, I made this point last time we played some Danganronpa music, but like 99 and VLR are soundtracks that I appreciated sort of after I played the game more. Whereas Danganronpa sort of stands on its own because it's a little more in your face. But I like it. That's, that's a good way to describe it, in your face, because it really does just start off like that. And it starts off running and kind of like your jaws on the floor because they're like, whoa, what is this? I didn't expect it, but I like it in a weird kind of way. Those are all things Rob said about Bloodborne. Bloodborne, 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 Bloodborne. So the point was to not have him talk about Bloodborne. I'm actually just trying to distract him so I can yell at him for derailing. Now he's talking like a Pokemon. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) I'm going to say my name repeatedly. 
Now, in some ways, I'm actually a little burned out on Bloodborne, so I'm good to talk about other things. Like, I'm, I'm kind of having that moment where, like, when you first get to college and you eat nothing but pizza for a week straight because, hey, I'm in college and I can do that sort of thing. And then you're like, I don't ever want to eat pizza ever again. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gorged. I'm, I'm a beached whale right now. So after, like, two and a half playthroughs, you might have to take a little break? I might have to take a little break. That's rough. That's rough, buddy. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, clearly a sign that that game is not very good. Mm, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Speaking of a sign that the game, I actually, I got nothing. That's a bad segue. <laughs> that Etoile Princess song, I love that sort of 90s, 80s, like drum midi thing they have going on there. You know, I, I grew up with the Genesis, so FM sound is just my jam. But it's it's very Genesis-y. And uh, what did you say about the beginning of it, Rob? I actually, I legitimately forgot. I'm not it, trying it to It had a little bit of a Castlevania start to it, which is probably a result of the fact that it's on Sega Genesis, so it's got, you know, sim- similar sound. No, it's not, Rob! Oh, I thought you said it was Sega Genesis. I said it's Sega Genesis C. It's actually oh. from a Japanese-only Sharp X86. Oh, okay. Well, my mistake. My mistake. How do you not get a, a minor detail like that correct, Rob? I'm sorry. I, because I'll, everyone knows what that is. I'll do what I can. You guys are all mean to me. I'm not being mean to you. I invited well, you. you're used to it. Bloodborne's mean to you, too. That is very true. That is very true. That's an abusive relationship. <laughs> I got kind of a an old school like Castlevania vibe in some of the I, not just the intro. I, I think there's a few parts of it that I'm not sure exactly what it is, but there's some I don't know some Castlevania vibes. That's a good thing. It's I, I like that style of music. It's very rich. That's sort of when I think of the earlier Castlevania stuff, especially like the Yuzo Koshiro Castlevania stuff. You sort of have this really full, rich sound. Like it's very high tempo usually, and you know there's not a whole lot of space in the, in the song. Like you know it's very busy. Not in the pejorative way, but just in that, you know, these are high tempo, high energy songs. And that in that regard, I can absolutely agree. It, it sort of has vibes of Castlevania. I was looking at some screenshots of the game and it's about as 90s action RPG as you can get. Like the, the artwork is straight out of any anime that was running on the air at that time. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I like and- it. I remember when Angela was talking about how there's a lot of different layers in the music working together and he's right there's once the like the, i guess the main theme comes in like 40 seconds or so there's a lot going on but it does all kind of weave together and it's pretty cool to listen to absolutely yeah, yeah. no that was that definitely won the first award for a thing i had never heard of so good work on you yes i i, I appreciate it absolutely let's appreciate some more let's listen to the second block so our very own Message board lurker slash artist slash person who drew me as a pony once, Dice, <laughs> selected Nahata Yankun from the Suikoden 2 Asian Music Collection, which is a giant pile of ridiculous awesomeness. That's revealing my bias, perhaps, but it's very good. Uh, and then, how, co- how come I do not have a pony right now? Or Mike. Maybe when Dice listens to this, she'll make you one. Yeah, Mike has a pony. Dice, I would like, I, I would love to have a pony for myself, and you should probably model it after, huh? What game should we maybe... He model? wants the cutie mm-hmm. mark to be the heart, heartless symbol from Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> <laughs> no, just make it Bloodborne, that's all you Bloodborne. gotta do. Yeah, I know what Bloodborne. a cutie mark is and who half the ponies are, and I've never seen an episode of that show. You're welcome. Oh, God. If I have a daughter someday, I'm just gonna be watching that over and over and over. No, no, you'll be watching Frozen now. Oh, it's even worse. Oh, dear Christ. <laughs> I like Frozen. Me too. Frozen is a good movie. I just don't need to watch it 18,000 times. There's only one movie you need to watch 18,000 times, and it's called Scrubs and or Back to the Future. I thought you were going to say The Raid. Only one Scrubs. of those is a movie. Yes. Yeah. 
scrubs the movie. You are worried way too much about details. We need to figure out how we're going to watch the raid at E3 because I, I need you guys to experience that awesomeness. Bring a PS4. Speaking of things that are awesome, uh, Kale Kamada, another long-term listener, recommended Sid's theme from Final Fantasy VII. And that's – I was actually having a conversation with my roommate just yesterday about how fantastic Sid is as a character. And we'll t- I'll talk about that after we listen to the track. Following that, from my – Frequent correspondent Retta, we have the Merciless Savior, and this is not the Evolution version. This is from, I'm going to get this wrong, Legend of Heroes, sort of Legend of 6, I think, second chapter, SC, not the Evo version. This is the PSP version. Um, so coming up, Nahara Yankun, Sid's theme, and the Merciless Savior.
so a little little disposable like okay that, that was that was nice so i'll offer a friendly I've descent like stunned you <laughs> for me i find this song to not at all be disposable um sweet and two soundtrack on its own is already very interesting it's very different from the other kinds of music you get on PlayStation 1. It's sort of inspired by a, a totally different musical tradition than a lot of your Square Enix titles, or Squaresoft at the time, goodness. Or even Square Eidos, or whatever, Square EA, or whatever they were for a while. Oh, that's right. EA was publishing their games. Ooh. But, oh, uh, memories. you know, the instruments instrumentation here is in particular what I find most interesting about this song, is that you have this really interesting sort of displaced deserty type feel it's just the sweet music is so evocative to me it's why it's interesting to me that you find it disposable maybe it's because you haven't heard the original track but i don't necessarily think so i think this stands on its own it's just the flavor in this song is really just so interesting to me that i like it I, I it's not that i didn't like it it's just that you know maybe it's part of the expectation thing so many people have been talking about how amazing sweet music was for so long that my first real exposure to it was like oh that, that was that was good. Well, that it's was good. It's very different. It is not the tear your heart out melody of a Final Fantasy game, or right. you know, a Yokoshimamura violin masterpiece. It's very different. It's very, it's more evocative. It, it, it's hard to articulate. It's a different style of music, but I love it. Maybe it's because I listen to way too much music, game music at this point, and so I like things that sort of. Try different things, although I mean, this isn't trying a new thing. This is an old song, but you know, in a well, new way, right? Yeah. But it's yeah, it's not the kind of instrumentation you hear like a lot, though, or mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. I, I think if you move away from that segue and go to Sid's theme, which is very uh, driven by the melody, I mean, that's that's more traditional, especially for those old school RPGs. Those are the kinds of music tracks that I really like. I like it when it has a really strong melody, something that you can hum. I, I think we said that about like the Skyrim soundtrack. It's like with the exception of Dovahkiin, you can't and exactly... And Streets hum. of White Run now. Yeah, I've... but you can't really hum any of that music, you know? I would agree. I played a lot of that game, and I can't remember much of the music, but... It was all good. Like it was no, all no, absolutely. Stuff, it was all but... very evocative, and there are. And in hindsight, going back, there is some fantastic music in that, like Streets of White Run. Sure, but, but it's, it's not like when you get done watching, you know, 1995's The Rock, and you have that music stuck in your head for about four days, or well, it got. It's or not it like how you watch Phantom of the Opera. Like, oh dear God. <laughs> well, it's not like Sid's theme. Sid's theme, which is so evocative of his character and his mm-hmm. arc. And, you know, as a kid, you're right. I didn't I didn't really use Sid when I was a kid when I first played it. I was like, nah, I'm going to use Vincent and Red 13 because they're cool. Oh, you uh, all fail. He was in use... my final party. But, yeah. you know, like, going back and looking at it now, like, Sid has a fascinating character arc. Like, this is a guy who, like, is basically like Neil Armstrong. Like, he's, he's like, bred for years to go to outer space and gives up on it to save somebody. And it's not like the cut and dry, clean, I made the right choice. It's like... He sort of resents her. He's angry. He's like, yeah, I did this. He did the right thing, but he's not happy about it. That's so interesting. Yeah, that that anger is real human emotion. That's like actual narrative and what people would actually feel. Like imagine if your spouse or your love interest kind of by maybe no fault of their own ended up causing the end of your dream. 
You know, like I, I can only imagine like what would happen if I if I had to walk away from teaching or something like that. Like there would be some deep seated resentment there. And I think that's what makes Sid a much more adult character than we were used to at that point in video games. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, and it's sort of like in his way, he has not given up on it. And that's why the sequence when you go into space with him, then it plays the song Sending a Dream into Outer Space is Sid's theme done in a sort of different tone. This has always been my favorite character theme from Seven. And the reasons are not necessarily just the story. It's just so... It has that brass that Final Fantasy VII is just so notorious for. Like, it's there's no mistaking a Final Fantasy VII song, and this is one of its best. I agree. Yeah? Yeah, it's interesting to think about, to hear you guys talk about, you know, when we first played the game, I don't know, I'm assuming all of us were youngish right mike the wee baby uh, sure <laughs> <laughs> well like it was before going Mike's to college and, anyone else. and looking for jobs and getting into the real world and so maybe some of the the intricacies of his storyline kind of went over our heads and then you get to that point and you you realize you go back and you look at his stories like yeah this is this is kind of mature compared to some of the other characters in the game in terms mm. of what he goes through in his life and what it's done to him as a character as a result. And you can kind of relate, I can kind of at least kind of relate to him a little bit more now where I am in my life now than I did when I was, when I first played the game, because I was like 12 years old when I played the game. So. Well, you, th- you think about it, who hasn't had to compromise or wait longer to achieve a dream, you know? Like, I did that this year. <laughs> so it's like, you know... <laughs> To have that sort of like resignation and that bitterness, but like you're also like, it's not like you hate that person, you know, yeah. for whatever reason. But it's it's a bunch of complicated emotions that you know the game has its fair share of silly video gamey, you know, amateurish writing from back in the '90s moments. But like the funeral o- and then snowboarding. The overall thing though <laughs> in Sid's arc is great, and the song reflects that. Yeah, I think the song itself kind of goes through the arc. It starts off and it's kind of bitter, but then the refrain comes in and gets a little bit more positive, a little bit. I don't know. You can kind of see in the flavor of the the way the music changes there that maybe it's not all for nothing. I should replay Final Fantasy VII. It's been a long time. I, I'm completely blanking on the director of Final Fantasy's name right now. Is it Sakaguchi? Sakaguchi? Yeah. Uh, the one who directed one through nine, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean – to hear the story about how seven was made right after the passing of his mother, like that's very evident in, you know, I think six is somber, but seven, there's a real like sadness to the whole game. Like every character has kind of lost something along the way, which again, very similar to final fantasy six. I mean, for God's sake, look what happened to cyan. But, uh, there's something about that, game that is very melancholy even with you know the pastel colors everywhere and you know the the really you know rambunctious nature of the game and how loud and crazy it was and i i steven said brash but i just i'll come out and say it that game had balls like that game is just <laughs> like i'm unabashedly going to be crazy and you're just going to enjoy it yeah and, like in the same game where you have this like tale of a person's fallen dreams you have an alien planet that devours other planets or something and like you know, a vampire man, Zach. Yeah, but it, it, that, that whole game has a real melancholy quality to it, and I can hear it in Sid's theme. It's like, it's still triumphant, but it is kind it's of a trying to be. dream. Yes, exactly. 
Speaking of triumphant, or at least very, very epic, uh, the Merciless Savior. Uh, this is... I Forgive me again, because I have a very hard time keeping up with Falcom's releases or the different versions of their games. But one of the things that sort of impresses me about this track... Because, again, I'm not going to go through my usual Falcom spiel, but one of the things that I do find impressive about this track is just how much variety it is. This song doesn't loop. <laughs> and it's seven minutes, and it has, wow. you know, forgive me for not having something more substantive to say about it, but having not played the game, I can't really connect it to a character like I did with Sid. But it's just, these kinds of moments are what make me want to get more into Falcom games, if we could ever play them. Eventually... This one? Yeah, eventually this one. Sometime maybe, this year. Maybe I'll have a little more story attachment to it. As it is, I'm impressed with it, as I always am with Falcom's production. The gist of it for me is that, you know, Falcom music sort of all sounds the same to me. Well, it's, you know, we've been talking about this. I actually do kind of prefer the Ease music to the Legend of Heroes music. Like, I don't know. I can I can understand kind of with Legend of, uh, Legend of Heroes music kind of getting a little bit tired of it um it doesn't necessarily stand out to me as much as this the Sophonese so maybe maybe series has something to do with it for me it sort of comes down to a Motoi Sakuraba like argument where this is a person this is a group or a person who's clearly mastered their what they do but to me because they are so in that mold and I, I know there's variety in Falcom tracks and that I'm going to get hung for saying that they're that they, that they are repetitive but that's honestly how it comes across to me is it's like this is like every other you know wailing on the violin not this one in particular but like you know most of it comes across that way to me you know they do it really well but for me without any attachment narrative wise it's harder for me to sort of get some get a, let it get let it get its hooks into me well, you're just going to have to play second chapter whenever it comes out, which we don't know when. Sometime right, this coming. year. Sometime, yeah. although I'd have to finish the first one. Yes, me too. <laughs> it's on my which, backlog. That's that's a, that's going to be a tall order for me, I'm not going to lie. All right, should we move on? Excellent oh. picks there. If you want to hear something that you <laughs> won't be able to not have comments on, let's go ahead and take a listen to the third block here. From Arclight, we have Zio Proceed which is from Arno Surge, which we've played a little bit of already on Music of the Year. Every single track on this soundtrack has an insane title. Uh, Arclight also picked the final boss track, M-P-R-E Jin Fang. I can't remember, but Zach played it. <laughs> so we won't play that one again, but that is a great song. Also, is this, so is this one. But So Zio Proceed. And then I am going to mispronounce this name, and I'm going to try my best not to, but Sergei, it's got the, there's an accent mark over the S, so I'm just going to say it's from Sergei. And this is Whereabouts of Truth from GU, another classic. And then from John Masakato, we have a CDI game. Uh, this is the theme to Lost Eden, uh, which is a crazy balls, bananas looking game on CDI. It, if you look at it, it is everything you ever thought about the CDI. But man, the song is cool. Let's go ahead and take a listen to Zeo Proceed, Whereabouts of Truth, and the Lost Eden theme. Let's 
So taking us back in, that I would have to say, so that particular track from Our Newest Surge is probably not one I like as much as the final boss track, because that was just this totally crazy, well, all right, the whole soundtrack is crazy and really great Sound Team Gust material. That one, to me, I like the lyrics, especially about halfway through the song, but my problem with, not necessarily problem, but what I find with a lot of these sort of JRPG intro slash outro slash sort of OP songs is that they sort of all come across to me like J-pop-ish anime intro themes, which have a sort of, like like a lot of pop music, they have sort of a hook that gets your attention and like is exciting. Like in terms of, you know, it's stuck in your head, it's an earworm, but in terms of me being like, this is a song that moves me, I'm maybe not quite as engaged. I found it kind of interesting. Uh, I liked how there are sections where you'd expect there to be instrumentals, but it's still vocals, and the vocals are just sort of taking the place of some of the instruments. I didn't. I wasn't expecting that. I thought it was kind of cool uh, to hear that. And I don't know. I, I, I honestly, I wrote down, I was getting kind of a Kajiora vibe from this track. That I could see, yeah. Especially yeah. with the way the lyrics are sort of put together. Yeah. No, Xenosaga, but... But what is? But what is? What is, really? E- Evangelion. Touche. <laughs> wow. You know, it's, you know, it starts off with the best of intentions, kind of loses track because it totally goes to hell in a handbasket with money and it ends on kind of an upward note that makes everybody remember it far better than what it actually is. And be sad that it didn't get to be finished. <laughs> How do you really feel, Rob? Wow. He's right, though. Like, even Takahashi, <laughs> they recently did that Iwata ass with Takahashi, and he yeah. was like, yeah... Xenosaga sort of destroyed our morale. <laughs> I mean, they wanted that to be a six-game epic. We got three of them where they rushed to the finish line. And I, I actually really applaud them for having a vision of six games and making it all work. But they just, you know, I, I At least I they know. finished it. I, I've always been of two minds of Xenosaga. Like, I, I applaud what it meant, but at the same time, it was kind of a train wreck. The first one can be the fun, though. first one was a little sloppy. I, I didn't particularly like the first one. I beat the second one, which in which hindsight is... supposed to be the worst one, right? The yes, second one is, is very time-consuming and has this sort of really like obtuse battle system. But I was engaged enough by the story to beat it. The third one, I think, is a legitimately good game. Yes. Yeah. People seem to like the third one. I just love the look of the first one. I love that. I, I love it when anime does that very clean, like, almost metallic look like where everything's white and sterile in space like don't get me wrong i love alien you know i love the whole space you know truck driver stuff but there's something really cool and elegant about that i think a couple of new anime series that are out that kind of have that look and i was thinking about starting them up yeah you know i it i, I like the look and i think that was that's probably something that jarred a lot of people with the xenosaga series is that they sort of had this style that shifted yeah, they went hardcore yeah. anime to not-so-anime to back-to-anime again. <laughs> I, I actually like the style in the third one quite a bit. It was yeah. the perfect sort of merging of the super anime of the first and the more realistic style that they were trying and kind of failed to do in the second game. Yeah, it was well, kind of hard, hard to think of Xion as a PhD, like, doctor science person when she looks, like, so chibi. Or in the third game where she's wearing this jacket with feathers and what could be like a hooker uh, outfit underneath. Uh, hey, I know plenty of PhDs that have very interesting fashion choices. That's okay. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. 
Man, that would be cool to get those HD games just to play them again. No, to... I there's yes. been movement for that too, like to get an HD Xenosaga trilogy. And the problem is that it would sell terribly because again, it's a rough series. But I also feel like it's an interesting piece of history. And you know, now if you read that Iwata asked, it's clear how like things that happened in the Xenosaga development cycle led directly to Xenoblade. Like they were like, yeah, we wanted to have this amazing focus on story, but we also wanted to have more fun gameplay. And I'm like, hey, Xenoblade has both of those things. Mm-hmm. No, very interesting. And I, I am sorry we derailed from that, all from Yuki Kajiro. But, uh, for, yeah, like, no, those are both interesting tracks. And I sort of I, – I, there's a place in my heart that will always love the sort of OP and out, outro themes of JRPGs that have the sort of, like, the vocals and, you know, the the catchy hooks. So good picks. Maybe, perhaps not my favorite tracks I've ever heard, but certainly worth listening to. And Dot Hack GU actually was a considerably better series, so I'm down with that. How many Dot Hack games were there? There like were 30? seven. There was Dot Hack, the original oh, series, wow. for which there were four, and then there was a second series called GU. I just remember that we were talking about while listening to the music, but I really wanted to like Dot Hack. I thought it was such a cool idea, and it just it didn't. Again, very Xenosaga. Like Japan was taking these massive chances with games, which I think kind of came around to bite them in the ass, and that's why we see them like so hesitant now to do those kinds of things. You know, we well, record for a while. Well, we're recording this right now in the wake of, like, the Kojima is leaving Konami and, oh my god, hit the alert buttons, like... I'll never you know. have a good Castlevania again. No, you won't. Um, which well, is really... at least at least until someone kickstarts Massylvania with Igarashi at the head. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm gonna go with, I'm gonna go... like a freight train. No, I'm gonna go with the Jeff Gersman uh, Castlevania, only this time it's mummies. Like that's that's just what the title that you give it. Like Mummyvania. Mum, Mummyvania. Like it's mummies. Well, look at Mighty Number no. Nine. Mighty Number no. Nine is Mega Man without Mega Man. It's it's like Garfield minus Garfield. Oh. Yeah, but the last time I brought up Mighty Number no. Nine, you guys went like ape crap. Like holy god, this thing looks horrible. Blah. Visually, that game looks like butt. But I'm really hoping it comes out good. I, I want to have a Mega Man game with the original Mega Man from the uh, American box cover. That's what I want. I want the middle aged guy with a beer gut running around with a plasma laser thing, like in uh, Marvel vs. Capcom. That is one of the best designs I've ever seen, and I want it in every Mega Man game from now on. Best design is, that's a very interesting use of that term. It's so awesome. It looks like my dad running around the environment. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to play too. as your dad, Rob. Kind of looks yes. like my dad too. I, I would absolutely play a video game with my father as the main character. <laughs> yeah, I keep trying to make Actually, play- I did play a video game my father as the main character. There's this old point-and-click adventure game back in the 90s that Sierra made called Freddy Farkas Frontier Pharmacist, and it was about this sort of it was oh about god. this sort of smart-mouthed pharmacist who worked in the old west. And my dad played it. I'm like, oh my god, this dude is my dad. Wait, like, wait. So is that like, title both? One, a... one of the puzzles is that you have to give dude hem- a dude hemorrhoid cream because he has really bad hemorrhoids. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, dad has to do this at work. Uh, it's fantastic. I love. I love that the title is, like, both a rhyme and alliteration. <laughs> yeah, Freddy Farkas, the Frontier <laughs> Pharmacist. Awesome. It's a great game. It's, no, it's a legitimately, like, a really funny adventure game from back in the day with, like, King's Quest-style puzzles. It sounds like the precursor to Papers, Please, with you handing out hemorrhoid cream. <laughs> well, I mean, you don't hand it out. It's just one guy. Hemorrhoid <laughs> cream! Get your I, hemorrhoid cream! And if I recall with one guy, you actually give him hot sauce for hemorrhoids and that. Because you gotta get ah, him, you gotta you gotta get him out of the picture, and I'm like, oh god! Like as a That's kid, I'm like, opposite of what you want to do. As a kid, I was like, what are hemorrhoids? 
Oh, Speaking okay. of hemorrhoids. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, the CDI. Wow. It's a fascinating console. Uh, and by fascinating, I mean giant train wreck. But that the, the CDI was just this weird product of its time with weird games that were mostly terrible. You had the Zelda Faces of Evil game, which is oh. responsible for all my favorite YouTube videos. Oh, my boy. My boy. My boy. Oh. Oh, boy. boy, I can't wait to bomb some Dodongos. Oh, boy, my boy. Oh, boy. But uh, so I had never heard of this game, Lost Eden. And if you look at it, it's this sort of weird adventure type game. Uh, but I actually really like that song. I basically wrote one comment for it, which is this sounds like it was the music they listened to in the future in Bill and Ted's Journey. <laughs> like with the dudes playing the guitars in slow motion in the background and the reflecty things. And it's like, oh, God gave rock and roll to you. No, I that's that's a really interesting pick that never would have been on this show were it not for your selection, John. So good call. I remember staying up really late as a kid, like till four or five in the morning when the infomercials start, and I saw the Philips CDI, and I was like, "Oh my God, there's a Zelda game!" And I'm sitting there trying to convince my mother mm-hmm. to buy a CDI. Good Lord, I was a dumb kid. Holy crap! You did what you could, man. Oh, man. I could have had a Philips CDI instead of a Sega Genesis. Count me the lucky child of the neighborhood. Oh, Yeah, really. For me, this reminds me a lot of a group that I used to listen to called Deep Forest. Um, oh, I've heard of Deep Forest. Yeah, they're like this, uh, I think they're French duo that use like a, a fusion of ethnic music and electronic kind of beats. And... I swear, I thought I was listening to one of their tracks when I listened to this because it has that sort of, you've got the kind of vocals in there with the electronic beats. It kind of sounds a little bit like what they would do. Got introduced to them completely, totally random. I found a track they did for, oh, I can't remember the name of the movie anymore now. And then I was like, hey, that sounds awesome. I should check out more of their music. This does sound like it's in sort of the tradition of like 80s or 90s movies, like because, I mean, that's what the yeah. CDI was sort of trying to ape was all those FMV games or whatever. But, like, you know, this absolutely has that sort of vibe that you would hear it in, like, a TV movie or something. <laughs> Not to speak to its quality, but just to the general tone of it. God gave rock and roll. That's going to be in my head for about to four days you. now. Gave rock and roll to you. Hey, Ben. I, I'm just Give amazed a love to the princesses. <laughs> No, best part of that whole movie. Best of seven. Damn right. Damn right. <laughs> I said that. You said mustard. That's, that's the second movie, though. You have sunk my battle sheep. You have sunk my battle sheep. <laughs> I think Bogus Journey might be one of the most drug-induced movies I've ever seen in my life. You mean the scene where they ape the Star Wars sequence or Star Trek sequence and get thrown off the cliff? Yeah. Oh. Uh, Twenty questions. Sure. No, man or woman? Mineral. Is it a tank? No way! Ah! <laughs> yes, for anybody that has never seen Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure or Bogus Journey, please go see those right now. I wouldn't mind a third movie, it's honestly. Keanu like... Reeves being <laughs> Keanu Reeves before he was in John Wick. I need to see that, but I just I can't. I can't yes, handle, you do. I can't handle the dog, though. I can't it's handle like it. Well, then look away. Sequence. Like I, I just I can't handle animals getting hurt. Like, then look I, away. 
I'm going to hear it. Go to the bathroom for the first 10 minutes. And then I'm going to want to kill Theon Greyjoy, and it's going to be terrible. Don't worry. Theon Everyone Gre- wants to kill Greyjoy. <laughs> Everyone dies. John Wick does the thing that Taken didn't do well, which the one thing Taken in its niche didn't do well, was that none of these people appropriately assess threats. The moment a guy shows up and finds you and kills everyone in the room, all of them should have known they were out of their element. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And John Wick, from the very get-go, they're like, oh, no, we pissed off John Wick. Oh, crap. Yeah, I'm going to buy that next time I'm at Costco. I almost talked myself into it. Like, I was looking at all the movies. I'm like, oh, man, it's right there. But I could just go home and watch The Raid again. There are and some then... people that hate on John Wick for being exactly what it was supposed to be. Like, John Wick executes on its concept well and doesn't attempt to overreach. Yeah, that's the way I felt about Chappie. I thought that movie did exactly what I wanted to do, and I had fun in the movie theater. There were some rough parts here and there, but I, I like You it. know guns! You know guns? You know you stole daddy's car? You stole daddy's car? Stole daddy's car? <laughs> hey daddy. Block has just turned into something amazing. It is. So we're starting a movie podcast now. Stephen and Rob just, you know, quote movies <laughs> endlessly. Let's get to our final block. This Damn is- right. Damn right. This is the final block of Music of the Year 2014. These are the last three tracks aside from the finale that I'm picking. That we are going to listen to. So, everybody, yay! Even before we get there. <laughs> so, anyways, another track from Arclight. We have Glorious Fights We Call Life, and this is by my very own Yoko Shimamura. And this is from an interesting PSP RPG that I actually played when I lived in Japan uh, that I couldn't figure out because my Japanese was not nearly sufficient enough at the time. But it's a really cool soundtrack that I actually reviewed. And... Uh, I, I think you'll find it interesting. It's very much in the Shimamura tone, but I love the vocals in it. And then uh, Retta has the Azure Arbitrator, which is from Aono Kiseki, uh, which uh, also the PSP one, and I'm sure it's not out here. No. Forgive me, I can't identify the difference between the games. I'm so sorry. And then uh, last one from Kale, we have Ray's theme from Breath of Fire 3, which I just recently purchased. So, without further ado, <laughs> the grand finale. Glorious fights we call life, the Azure Arbitrator, and Ray's theme.
Robert Steinman is that he doesn't appreciate Yokushimomura enough, and that's okay. Nobody's perfect. But no, this is, for me, it's funny because Mike and Caitlin actually have different comments on this song than I do. I actually think this is essential Shimomura. You know, I, I love the lyrics. Um, you know, she, she doesn't do lyrics quite as often as I think some uh, do. But just sort of the violin, especially about halfway through the song and the piano, it's, it's all of the things that I feel she does quite well. It's not my favorite Shimomura piece in the world, but I really did like the last Ranker soundtrack. Um, if you're into her sort of Kingdom Hearts 1 era style... Uh, the very violent, heavy stuff, then this is definitely something I think that you would enjoy, the whole soundtrack. Um, there's also a, a Piano Collections album, I believe, that's also quite good. Um, but no, I mean, I, I dig that song. Well, oh, I, I like I, a... it sounded familiar to me when I was listening to it. Like, I could have sworn I'd heard it before, or the style of it was familiar, and then I saw it with Shimomura, and I was kind of like, wow, because I personally, I don't listen to her as much as you do, Stephen. So it's kind of like vocals, and the Shimomura piece is... is somewhat new to me yeah no absolutely and i think you know i honestly get a sort of an almost xenoblade vibe from it and i don't know if it's because my brain is crossing wires or what but i listen to that and i feel like it wouldn't be out of place from her some of her contributions to xenoblade yeah yeah it would totally fit in and that does kind of remind me of some of the opening pieces from xenoblade that, yes. that she was that she did prologue part or prologue b or whatever yeah yeah oh man Good stuff. Ugh, now I want to play Xenoblade, and I want the sequel now, or the spiritual sequel, or whatever it is. Uh, I want to play more. I want to play more Xenoblade, but I also want to just play Xenoblade X because the problem is that if I play Xenoblade and then play X immediately, I'm gonna not like it because it's so different from Xenoblade. So I need to just not play either of them for a while and then play the new one. Sounds like a plan. In an odd way, I've convinced myself that I'm not going to like the soundtrack as much, and I don't like that feeling. I am super stoked for the soundtrack. I cannot wait. I'm I'm really excited for it. I just the what what gives me pause is that the exact reason they give for having so many composers in Xenoblade, the original, is that you know they have this big giant world, tons of music, lots of stuff to score. So they wanted lots of variety, and now it's like they're taking a musician who sort of earned or not earned has a reputation for being sort of samey and putting him in a giant game. You know, I really like what I've heard, so I don't know. It's it's got a lot of variety to it so far, but. I would say I'm sitting on the fence right now about Xenoblade X. I, I want to like it, and I'm going to buy it and hopefully love it, but uh, I'm I'm iffy on the Skyriminess of it. You can sit on the fence. I've jumped over, and I'm rushing toward the soundtrack release. Like, rushing towards Kawazu or Sawano. Sawano, yes. But, but you know, I caution whenever I talk about him, I like his stuff, so I might be a little bit biased when it comes to the soundtrack. No, I do too. Like, I really do. If, if I can make a prediction on what's going to happen with Xenoblade Chronicles X, and I, I'm i going to preface this by saying I love to be wrong, okay? I'm not one of those people that's like, hey, I told you so, and like really enjoys being right because I hate being right because I'm a cynical asshole like that. What I'm worried is going to happen with that game is people are going to really like the gameplay systems in it, but I think the quote that you're going to see over and over again is it doesn't have as much personality as Xenoblade Chronicles. And that's going to go for the music. That's going to go for the characters. It's just not going to have that very loud personality that Xenoblade Chronicles had. To be honest, based on what I've watched, that's exactly my problem I have with it. And again, that's not necessarily a flaw in the game. If they set out to design a game that is not like Xenoblade, that's perfectly fine. Sure. I mean, that, that goes back to my argument about the name being a poor, poor selection. But, you know, if it succeeds in doing what it's trying to do, that's awesome and I'll be really happy about it. But I definitely think the burden of comparison is going to weigh heavily when it comes to that game's narrative. 
Yeah, and and not to I wasn't looking for a simple segue into talking about Bloodborne, but you know, when we, when we saw it at E3, Stephen kind of had the same feeling like, wow, it's really bloody and really dark and I I don't really know if I'm if I'm into this. And I can totally understand why some people wouldn't be. Now, I I happen to think they pull it off, but it is a very different style of fantasy that they're going for than Dark Souls or Demon Souls. Well, for it me, it looks, wasn't the blood. I don't blood on its own doesn't bother me in a game. It was the ridiculous like yeah, forty was, gallons of blood spilled on your jacket, and now you look like you're wearing shiny red boots all over your body. It, it, it's all about the color, and Miyazaki actually talked about that in an interview. Like, yeah, the, our color was completely screwed up when we first showed the game. Like, it looked like hot fluorescent pink, and we had to make it really dark so it almost looks like rainwater, and that makes it look way better. There are times where you're like, wow, that looks like cotton candy on me. I'm looking forward to playing it. Yes, look forward to it. But, and yeah, Xenoblade Chronicles X, I'd, I've been the one kind of urging caution like Fox News when it comes to like a major racial incident. And I don't mean to do that. Like, I'm not trying to rain on everyone's parade. But it, I just, I haven't seen the personality that really attracted me to Xenoblade Chronicles. And maybe they just haven't shown it. Maybe, well, yeah. I was just going to say, it's also part of how they've shown us the game and trailers. They've been focusing a lot on the world and the systems and the combat. We've got, we had that one introduction to the story in the E3 trailer and then a little brief refresher in the exploration video, but we haven't really gotten a lot of the story or really the characters beyond what they put on their website. So I'm, I'm, I agree with the caution, but I'm also just remembering that they haven't they've intentionally not focused on story or characters as sure, much as sure. the world and gameplay. So yeah, it doesn't mean there isn't a story in good character it just means that maybe they don't want to reveal it yet. Yeah, yeah. no, that's a fair yeah. point. It's sort of the opposite of the tack they're taking with the Xenoblade Chronicles on 3DS where they spoil major parts of the game in the trailer. That's horrible. Don't watch it. Do not watch it. If you I mean, it's an it. awesome trailer if you love Xenoblade, but it also has all that personality. But again, this is a game that they are probably assuming people have played or are not as concerned with, you know, knowing what happens. I don't know. Sure. Oh, also, we, we haven't had a chance to talk about it uh, yet on Random Encounter, obviously. But uh, oh, in other news, uh, a Zelda game got delayed and the sun came up this morning. So and then we listened to the Azure Arbitrator. <laughs> I was going to say, speaking of things that we don't know a whole lot about because they're not out in this country yet. Um, is this the one they're localizing as Trails of Cold Steel? Is that a real title? Are they localizing title? it? I, I, I vaguely recall some argument like it was like Trails in the Flash, Trails in the Cold Steel or something. I can't remember. I don't know. Maybe not. I'm now thinking of Cold Stone Ice Cream. Thank you for that. <gasps> yeah. Or Cold Stone from the Gargoyles. Uh, and, oh, uh, Michael Dorn, he's voiced by Worf. I like the, I like the gargoyle <laughs> much better than the ice cream shop. If I wanted half-melted warm ice cream, I would take my ice cream out of the freezer and put it on the counter for an hour. Now that Disney owns gargoyles and the Marvel Universe. And Star Wars. And Star Wars. We could have a Kingdom Hearts game where you hang out with Goliath and then go fight on Hoth and then follow that up by like just chilling and drinking scotch. With Tony Stark. And then you catch Captain America's shield and give it to Goofy as a weapon. And then Donald uses Thor's hammer. That pretty much writes itself. Like, if they do not have Goofy with a shield, we, we've we somehow missed the point of Kingdom Hearts 3. Yeah, like, if I'm not using Captain America's shield and shooting thunder from Thor's hammer at Elsa from Frozen while a lightsaber comes flying by Sora, then <laughs> Kingdom Hearts 3 is a failure. 
<laughs> and somehow and somehow get gargoyles wait, in there. Wait, Don't wait, wait. Steven, you've just stumbled on they're gonna make a combat, they're gonna make a fighting game for Kingdom Hearts where the Kingdom Hearts characters fight each other like the city I'd play that. That they they need to do that. That would actually be fun. Okay, so getting back to the music, um it's you know, it's kind of hard to talk about music sometimes when you haven't played the game. I'm I don't know where this is. I, it kind of reads to me like it's a final boss thing because you've got the wailing guitar and you've got organ in there and then their vocals are thrown in just in case this wasn't like epic super final boss theming enough. But I like it and I don't know, I'm kind of partial to wailing guitar in my JRPG <laughs> battle games. You know, I'm a pretty big fan of Sakodaba for that, even though I know he gets a lot of flack for it. But I like hearing music from these games, even though they remind me that when are we going to see them? Is it going to be in the next five years or ten years or never? I don't know. Someday, because, you know, apparently, despite all the fans of that game, they just don't want to release them here. It's such a shame. And XE can't localize every game ever all at once. Well, just, I mean, like, the amount of work it's taking to localize uh, the second chapter of Sora no Kiseki, because there's just a lot of text to go through in that game. Absolutely. But no, this is a, you know, again, my, my usual Falcom comments aside, these, what I do like about these tracks, again, is that, that huge amount of variety. Just, there's no looping. So, like, as a person who loves final boss tracks, and just, in, even if this isn't a final boss track, just songs that are very well keyed to the sequences they occur in, I... I I'm almost positive I heard from someone at some point that this song plays at like a, a an important moment. I really like that Falcom is so synced up with doing that well. Yeah. Yeah. And and Mike yeah. and Rob just silently agree with us. R Mike and Rob are too busy thinking about Ray's theme from Breath of Fire Three, which again I just bought that. I bought Breath of Fire Four on my Vita for a dollar, and then from a, a reader I bought the PlayStation version of Breath of Fire Three, which means now I own all the Breath of Fire games. Uh, I've never played 3, or and I've been playing 4, and that game has some gorgeous sprite work and really cool music. I like this song. You know, it's a little, it's it's brief, and it's a little bit, I would say, understated, so it's hard for me to really comment too much on it. But, you know, it seems in keeping with the other Breath of Fire music I've heard, and I liked it. I, I really wish Breath of Fire 3 was available, like, anywhere, anymore, like on PSN or something, because I really like 3 a lot. Yeah, um, and it got that European PSP version, which is, it's like... It's like they go out of their way to make it hard to find certain entries of certain series. Yeah. There must be something about 3 that we don't know. Because they don't seem to have an issue releasing 4 on different platforms. But 3 I wonder if, gets left behind. I wonder if it has anything to do with the fact that Capcom is a terrible company. That's probably it. That maybe could be maybe it, but, that's it. But they still put out number 4, so I don't know. Probably because it didn't require effort. Steven, I have a really good idea for something we need to do this summer. I think you and I need to buy Resident Evil 5 on Steam, get really drunk, and record <laughs> ourselves making fun of it. I already own that game, and unfortunately, Rob, I actually enjoy that game in co-op. I, I mean, I could make fun of how silly it is. Yeah, uh, like the part where but, Chris punches a boulder but, into a volcano. But let, let's be realistic. As a Resident Evil game, no, not successful. But as a fun co-op game, that game is good. Actually, I would argue against that. I think the mechanics of most of the enemies do not work well with the mechanics of the shooting. Like oh, having yeah, a dog basically. run straight at you and just underneath where you can shoot and you can't get down fast enough to fight them is kind of awful. Like that's the game. That's you playing the game with mittens because they're just not giving you the ability to fight the enemies the way you should. Playing the game with mittens. That is how we close our music of the year celebration. 
Well, I guess that pretty much does this for Music of the Year. It's been a very lengthy journey. It took a little longer than we meant, but I, the way I sort of look at this, you know, I feel like you're going to listen to this over the course of a few weeks anyway. It's not like we're all going to sit down and listen to a nine-hour or however long podcast all in one day. So just imagine you started listening to this in January when we were hoping to post it, and you just had four blissful months of listening to Music of the Year. But thank you to all three of you for joining for various sequences, or in the case of Mike and Caitlin, I think all of them. I was just really hoping that this would go the entire year so you could re- release this as like 2015's Game of the Year. It'll be 2015 Music of the Year HD edition, and I'm going to add one additional song to the end, and I'm going to edit Rob's voice. Are you going to add another boss battle? I'm going to add a filter to your voice so that you sound like Darth Vader. I don't know. I got nothing. <laughs> But to Mike and Rob and Caitlin and everybody else that has joined us, thank you so much. This is just fantastic. Uh, you know, I we started Rinder the Encounter at this point over two years ago, which is just crazy bananas. And, you know, we've got, I think with this, we're going to have something like 28 episodes. That's more than one per month. You know, it doesn't come out to that if we do it, the actual chronology. But if you divide it up by months, I have delivered. But uh, no, everybody, thank you for your audience picks. Mike and Caitlin, thank you for being my excellent co-hosts. Thanks to Derek. And co-co-host. And to Derek for his years of service, or year and some odd months of service. It's a pleasure to do this. It's always great fun. Last year, I thanked every listener individually. I'm not going to do that this year because there are too many of you now, which is a good problem to have. But I will say thank you to everybody that talks to us about the show, everyone who interacts with Caitlin or Mike or me or anybody on the boards about the show you know, Tuker, I see him chatting with you all on the board sometimes. It's great to get topic suggestions. It's just, it's a lot of fun to be able to sit down and chat about game music with other people who love it, for people who love it. It's the easiest thing in the world to do. It's it's work, and it's exhausting, and this project has gone on for so long that I know Mike and I are ready to be done with it, and once Caitlin gets set on that track list, she'll be ready to be done with it too. Yes. But I, I think, I hope you all find that it's been worthwhile And I honestly hope you keep listening to us forever and ever as long as we keep doing this. And the thing I've been looking most forward to since we started doing this, I picked this song months ago. I'm picking the final track just like I did last year. So the guest choice for music of the year, even though I'm not the guest, it's the surprise track, whatever, I'm doing it. Kingdom Hearts was re-released in 2014. And I can hear everybody smiling, spreading, because they knew that this was happening. But I have decided to go with, and it's not even a re-recording of the song, but seeing how this album was officially re-released in 2014, I'm selecting it. This is the ending theme to Kingdom Hearts 2.5, Kingdom Hearts 2, Fantasia a la Marcia for piano, chorus, and orchestra. It is basically the perfect culmination to that game. It's got little bits of simple and clean in there. It's got all the main themes from the game. It's the perfect finale. And it is the perfect song for me personally to listen to when I imagine finally finishing this giant project and all of you getting to interact with it and finally listen to it. So, Caitlin and Mike, thank you very much for joining us. Everybody else, thank you for listening to this giant podcast. Taking us out of Music of the Year 2014, it's Fantasia Alamarsha for Piano, Chorus, and Orchestra from Kingdom Hearts 2.
the 16-bit operatic warbling. <laughs> what have we wrought? I'm gonna go on record now. <laughs> Say this is the greatest audio moment of our entire feature.